Blog Talk Radio. And now, live from the IMLD Home Studio, in its seventh season, this is, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. Let's go. Tom Brady yelling, let's go, let's go. I wonder if that one of the ghosts that Sam Darnold was seeing on Monday night. I don't know. He was, uh, you may have heard he was seeing ghosts out there. He's seeing a lot of things. I was watching some of that performance (laughs) and the the throws that he was making. Uh, Now, granted, those those were the same throws that Joe Flacco was making on Thursday night, um, where where he's just completely overthrowing people and wide open dudes and balls, you know, eight yards past them and five yards over his head. Um, but, you know, Joe Flacco wasn't, you know, feeling phantom pressure. It doesn't help that Sam Darnold was mic'd up. So he got to admit to the world that, you know, he was seeing the phantom rush and this, you know, once you get that out there and you get that on tape, that's not, that's not what you want. So no, that's that's what he's known for. That's he was that's the most infamous man. sound drop of the week. Yeah. So that is now that is now Sam Darnold's uh, official. You know that that's what he'll be known for. Maybe he literally he sees ghosts. You know. He's I can see all the memes sense. that are popping up. You know. Maybe he's maybe Sam walking. Darnold needs to start playing quarterback with the night vision goggles on. You know, <laughs> like they do on all those ghost hunter shows. Yeah, got to make sure you can see in. Yeah, you got to make sure you can see in the dark out there. I mean, it's, they, that's that's where it, that's where the ghosts come out, right? Is that I could totally see Sam Darnold on one of those ghost hunter shows, be like, "What? What was that? Did you hear that? <laughs> what? what? Oh. <laughs> Cause, cause, man, yeah, yeah that, have, have that, you that's seen thing, it, that level in a while? I mean, yeah, kind of, just not with that admission. Like you said, that's the thing is is when he says it in, on the open mic so that everybody knows that's what he's seeing. We've seen plenty of guys play like that, like they're seeing stuff out there, but you don't have the, the meme and the sound drop to put with it now. So, uh, you know, every post-game interview now, you see Sam Darnold and you can only think of one thing. I see dead people. So that's his thing from now on, and I don't <laughs> – I'd hate to be that guy. That's all I can say. Sam, best of luck to you, my friend, in the future. But but, but you're that guy now. Uh, in case you're not aware, the only way we can do things, you are listening live to, in much less detail, the podcast. Here with you live on a Friday night, October the 25th, 2019. I'm Dre. He's Jay. Thank you for joining us. And we apologize in advance. We've already gone a little bit off the rails, but we'll try to uh, get back on track here. Jay was telling me before the show that it's uh, going to be a little bit of swimming in the dark for him. Maybe he's seen ghosts too. Uh, that a uh, little tight on the time coming in from work and, and getting his picks done and pretty much getting in here just in the nick of time. So uh, he's, he's, he's going to be relying more on me to, I guess, lead this thing. And that's really bad news. Cause I don't know how 
Uh, I'm going to drive this. Uh, there, the last week was was pretty weird. There's a lot of strange things that happened. Uh, you know, our picks are just ugh. So <laughs> yeah, up, that's uh, the word. <laughs> they're just ugh. Uh, you know, it, you can't really say last week was you know failure or anything because we we were at, we were both at 500 or better. I was at seven and seven, and you were at eight and six when it was all said and done. So, uh, as far as the season goes, we pleased our finish. So that's that's definitely good. Yeah. Uh, does my lock, of course, completely went down in flames, um, and yours came through by a half a point in one of the weirdest endings to a football game yeah. you'll ever see. Yeah, I, I have to say that was the most convincing lock to ever come through in the history of this show. That was just a total beat down by the Tennessee Titans. I, I, you know, I'm so glad I locked that up to the point where I believe the Chargers scored the game winning touchdown three times. About about two or three times. Yeah. About about 50, 11 times. And and then every time they did, I was just following the updates on my phone and I'm like, Oh damn it. There goes my lock. And then I go back to it after it was all said. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. That, that can't be right. This, this didn't update. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so I'm like dragging down the thing on my app on my phone, and I'm like, no, it keeps coming up that the Titans won. I'm like, how? Did, how did they win? You had the, to the see Chargers. It. The Chargers kept scoring the go-ahead touchdowns. <laughs> doesn't make sense. And then once I finally, you know, saw everything that happened and read all the recaps, I was like, oh my god, I could not imagine having real money on that game. Ooh. Ooh. And yeah, it that'll was bad make you stop just, gambling right there. It was bad enough just having that as my lock of the week, which I felt really, you know, I, I, I felt good about that. And, you know, and the Titans up until the, the the last minute there was 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 doing well, but then they they just kept they just kept giving it up to the Chargers, and the Chargers just kept finding ways to not score, and then to have it come down to the touchdown, not touchdown, really a fumble at the end of the game with Marvin Gordon, I mean, just Melvin Gordon, I mean, just absolutely insane. And it was a fumble. I mean, it was the right call. Right. But it was was definitely the right call because that was my lock of the week coming home. (laughs) Definitely the right call. It certainly wasn't anywhere near the the most significant uh, result of last weekend, but it was the sort of the most jaw dropping just because of the way it happened. Like San Diego, God, what the fuck? fuck how how do you lose that game you're right there yeah i mean it you get austin eckler on the uh, he catches one for any of you who didn't see that whole sequence uh the clippers are down of course uh by three and they're driving for the for the game-winning touchdown and they get austin eckler to catch a ball out of the backfield and go 20 some odd yards and he looked like he scored and upon further review, nope, he was short by about five inches. So they put the ball there at the five-inch line. They uh, back up because of a penalty. They get a, a pass interference in the end zone to get it back to the one. And then they start handing off to Melvin Gordon, and he looked like he scored. Nope. Upon further review, he was scopped about five inches short. So they put the ball back about the five-inch line. Uh, he looked like he started to bobble on that carry. And got lucky and was able to hold on and, and, and sort of fall on it. Uh, and it looked like you could almost call it a touchdown when he fell on it. 
after fumbling, but they just decided he didn't have possession uh, going across the goal line, so they right. ruled him down. I, it you almost felt the like ball, you can't fumble the ball forward in the last two minutes. So right, if right. he did so, fumble the ball forward, it would have gone back to the spot of the fumble. So they basically say, well, whatever you started to lose control, that's where we're going to put right. the ball, uh, even though you may have fell on, on the in, in the end zone. Right. And the fumble Ruski rule right there. He's very old. Go back and, and Google that, kid. That's that got put <laughs> into place for a long time ago. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the uh, – Anthony Lynn didn't pay attention to the to the warning of of Melvin Gordon fumbling and hands it off to him again and this time he really does fumble uh, into the end zone and and the Titans bobble it around a little bit and come up with it and from, from by that much by a hair by a fingernail uh, of getting the ball into the end zone where they thought they got it in twice and the referees ruled it in twice and ran in and then they had to review it and say nah we're, we're going to say that actually wasn't a touchdown. That you talk about inventing ways to lose the yeah. game. That was an all-timer, and maybe lost in that a little bit is going to be the fact that I uh, read a reporter on Twitter say that Philip Rivers, quarterback sneaking that ball in that situation, is probably as close as the ball is to the end zone, a very, very smart play call, except for one small problem. Philip Rivers refuses to quarterback sneak. He's got something about it that he just doesn't want to do it. Maybe he's afraid of himself being the guy to fumble and, and uh, mess up the game. Maybe he's afraid of getting hurt, sticking his, his neck out there like that. Uh, but we both know guys like Brady and Breeze and uh, Peyton Manning back when he was playing, uh, those guys would have absolutely taken that ball and stuck it in themselves at that point. There's no way they would have let it get that close to the goal line and trusted it to a running back because it's right there. All you do is take the snap and and stick your arms out and you don't even have to really jump. It's it's, you're so close, but because Phillip Rivers has something about not quarterback sneaking, that's pretty much the reason why the the Chargers lost that game, but uh, unbelievable way to lose. Just, just heartbreaking for anyone who was, who was betting the Chargers. But then again, if you were betting the Chargers, you kind of deserve that. Right, and that's exactly why I went against the lock. Uh, when went went against them with my lock, you know. So I'm glad I got that one to come home. Needed that. We we squared absolutely everything away for the season, which I couldn't tell you we've ever had after seven weeks, where it's yeah, that's pretty late in the com- a complete dead heat in locks and picks. After week seven, we were both sitting on forty nine, fifty six, and one, uh, with three locks each, uh, three and four uh, each in locks. So completely even uh, at this point, uh, completely shitty seasons, but we're both arm in arm about it. We can't really uh, slam the other about it because we're both doing the exact same thing, um, which that tie got broken up on Thursday night uh, by the Redskins somehow covering against Ugh. the Minnesota Ugh, Vikings. Did you watch that game? Ugh. Yeah, unfortunately I did. It was That game was, was bad. bad. I watched that all the way to the end because there was a chance that the Vikings could have gone in and given me that really cheap cover uh, with the hook if they just would have scored a touchdown or in that last drive. And they had chances. They busted a couple of runs that got called back for holds. And Boy, they were, you want to talk about a team that's afraid of its quarterback. They went on that last drive, about a seven-minute drive, seven-and-a-half-minute drive, refused to let Kirk Cousins throw the ball one time. No play action, yeah. <laughs> no anything. 
just run the ball, and, and, and the Redskins were, were willing participants and let them run the ball all the way down, um, basically to field goal range. And then, you know, they, they didn't even try to kick the field goal. They ran it on fourth down, too. Yeah, they they know. They, they, they've gotten so much good play out of Kirk Cousins the last few weeks. They know. They don't want to press their luck. They know better. Uh, I've got a very special treat for you, Jason. I'm sure you're going to uh, enjoy this. We've joked about it. We've joked about the, the wellness check after that Jacksonville uh, playoff game. We wondered uh, where our guy was. And finally, making his long-lost return, the world's biggest Steelers fan, Bryce in Brooklyn, is with us. Welcome back, Bryce. <laughs> what, a, what an intro. I've never been I've never been so thoroughly introduced. Um uh, in my life, man, that's that's awesome. Hey, we were wondering about you. We we missed witness you. protection. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. First of all, it's good to be back on the show, fellas. Um, I really, I always enjoy talking football with y'all. Let, let me say this though to that intro. Yes, I, I think we did talk a little bit last year, but let's not forget. While the Jacksonville Jaguars beat us in the playoff game. We did come back the next year. Last year was a thrilling comeback to effectively end their season and further expose their defense for what you saw ultimately with Jalen being gone. But even when he was there, is that if you can get protection because they don't rush the passer very well, you can throw it in chunks on this defense. Ben Roethlisberger did that in that playoff game, even though they lost. Teams picked up on that. They started doing that more and more. When you play against Jacksonville, watch teams try to push the ball down the field. That's the formula because they don't rush the passer very well. So I will give my Steelers credit for that. And we knew you would. We, we knew <laughs> you would make it. You would make it whole and make it right ultimately. <laughs> no, it's been a rough year though. I mean, just like this Monday game's a must win. If Pittsburgh has any chance of trying to keep pace and keep pace throughout the season with with Baltimore, um, I think Baltimore can take a couple losses coming up. Um, but if Pittsburgh has any chance, they got to beat the Dolphins. You lose to the Dolphins, you might as well trade Javon Hargrave, the nose tackle, you're not going to be able to sign. Call it a year. I'm not worried about the Minka trade. I think it's a great trade, actually. The only um, – the only way it's not a great trade is if Pittsburgh ends up with the number one or number two pick. Then you're like, oh. But yeah. other than that, I think Mika Fitzpatrick's going to be a great player for Pittsburgh. So, But they got to win this Monday night or season's done. Yeah, you got you got to have Doug Boy beat the, the Dolphins. If he can't beat the Dolphins, then, yeah, you can take right. that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't beat the Dolphins then. What can you do? I I, I can't remember – Teams who are both your teams? Oh, I uh, I've I'm been a long time Bears fan. We both we both grew up in Chicago, but I was much more the the Bears fan than than Jason. Uh, and Jason's always uh, been a Falcons guy, and I've, I've claimed the Saints over the years every now and then, but really it's 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 the Bears for me. Yeah, and I've and I've also sort of had to adopt uh, the Packers here in Wisconsin. You know, being the the whole family surrounding me is all Packer fans. So, you know, I, I will root for them as long as there's no competing stake. But, but your yeah. main team, Jason, is the Falcons. Uh, uh, sure. Used to, yeah. No, I, I, I'll, I'll own it. I'll own it. I've heard it all. I will own that. You know, it's funny. I think even with Mr. Trubisky, 
I think all three of our teams strangely share something in common coming into this year is that I think, even though I love Mike Tomlin as a coach, um, I think Mike Tomlin, his coordinators, and the Falcons and Bears staffs should have committed to power running from the beginning, come hell or high water, and built their offseason around around power running, coming downhill, and then off of that, building the passing game. Um, they should have committed to it. Randy Feekner, the OC for Pittsburgh, should have committed to it. Um, they should have come out based everything on our offensive line they got, just like the Bears, I think, should have built around, just like the Falcons should finally have built around a power running game where then you can play pass off that and build your passing game around. Imagine all of these teams with with a top 10 power running uh, game. I think that would limit Trubisky. I think that would help Julio and Matt Ryan. I think that would get that tight end involved down there. And I think it would help the fact that Pittsburgh doesn't have A.B., they receive. They would give more space for the receivers, um, and give the, and make the defense defend the field better. What are your thoughts on that? I hear you. Uh, going to my Bears, Matt Nagy did not get hired on his ability to put together a run game. So these young hotshot guys. You got the the twelve year old in Cincinnati. You got the guy out in L.A. who got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. These guys are being brought in as like the, the big brains in the NFL for their ability to put together all these high flying passing patterns and, and passing games. They're not really concerned with the run at all. I, I, cer- I totally understand where you're coming from Bryce, but I, I can't imagine Matt Nagy. They didn't run at all in this game that they got embarrassed uh, on Sunday by the, by the saints. Uh, they didn't even try to, to run the football and, you had all the controversy about Trubisky coming off of that terrible game in London against uh, the Raiders. Uh, and that's what they decided to come out uh, after the buy and do is, is have Trubisky try to throw everywhere and, and look like he was seeing ghosts out there. Speaking of Sam Darnold, uh, that's what they do. That's what these coaches do. They, they want to establish their geniusness uh, and let everybody know that, Hey, we're going to just pass and pass and pass some more. And that's how we're going to get out of things. Um, and it's, it's just not working. You got to at least try to run the football sometimes. And I guess it's going to take uh, one of these hot shot guys, maybe uh, totally collapsing and getting fired before it finally occurs to these other guys. Hey, maybe we need to balance this out a little bit. Yeah. And I think what we saw with the Steelers in their last effort with the, uh, with, 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 with duck boy and uh but going against the Chargers, you know, we've been crapping all over the Chargers here on the show for the last few shows now, was, you know, the Chargers clearly couldn't figure out just plain vanilla offense, uh, which was, and they were running, you know, with a third-string quarterback, Pittsburgh was about as about as basic and bland of an offense. And once, you know, you could just see they were realizing, like, wait, these guys can't stop this, and they just kept going. And, you know, James Conner, we had talked about a few shows ago, looks great, but, you know, he clearly ran out of steam last year. And I'm interested to see again, if we get into that, you know, week 11, week 12 period, um, which is where he got to last year, which also coincided when it became official that Le'Veon Bell wasn't coming back and James Conner knew that was his job. We saw a totally different James Conner for the balance of the season after he wasn't basically fighting for that spot anymore to be the guy. And once he was the guy, it didn't go so well. And I'm really curious to see against, you know, stiffer competition. Obviously, they're not going to get that uh, this week. They didn't get that against the Chargers. The Chargers um, are playing on the road no matter where they play now. Uh, it was embarrassing 
for that franchise. And I think Andre and I were ready to send him back to San Diego and, uh, and just, and, or, or, or do something with the chargers because uh, that, that was embarrassing, but that that's where, you know, Pittsburgh's that's a tough situation, not having the receiver, you know, Le'Veon Bell skip town, Ben Roethlisberger gets knocked out for the year. So I, I can appreciate if you have optimism and, and, and obviously this is calling the dolphins a must win. Um, it, it should be a, you know, no problem win, it, which has been what the Dolphins have been. Even though I've uh, had two covers in a row here uh, with the with the mighty Dolphins, uh, they should they should easily at home. I think they should win this game, but I, I don't have a real good feeling for them long term. Not this season. Might yeah, be a little man. scary. The, the the Dolphins might give you more fight than the Chargers, man, because the Chargers it seems like when they get punched in the nose, they just totally melt away. The the Dolphins might actually have more fight in them. Oh, Andre, I agree. I'm I'm in no way looking at this game as a definite win. Um, not with Pittsburgh in their fragile state. Um, yeah, no, not. I mean, they they did get the bye. They had two weeks to prepare. I think that does help them. Um, in this instance, they're getting a lot of guys back who who were banged up. Um, you know, the one thing I will push back on is that I do think Connor, I do think Connor had a really good year last year. I think because of Ben Roethlisberger, the new OC last year, who I wasn't mad at, Randy had the same problem that Andre talked about, just too much passing. Um it's not, and I understand it's 2019, right? You got a franchise quarterback, you're gonna throw it. I get that, and I'm not asking people to be 2000, 2001 Steelers, but I know it's about running more efficiently, maybe not more attempts. But I do think in today's game, attempts matter, and the Patriots showed us that in the playoffs when they decided to put the fullback in the game and just run at people because they had these smaller sub-package guys on the field, and it really was effective. And I think Pittsburgh has built had built a versatile team with Rosie Nix at fullback where they could have done that and they needed to do that. They should have done that coming into this season. Even playing the Patriots when they just got blown out, the game plans were terrible. They should have just power run. Let's make them stop us. We got a top 10, top five offensive line. Let's call runs. Let's come downhill with Rosie Nix. We drafted Benny Snell. He's downhill. Jalen Samuels, a backup, is downhill. Everyone's downhill. So none of this crap or sweeps and all that. No, just power run, and then we'll play pass and build our passing game off of that to help the receivers. You know, that should have been their identity coming in, and it wasn't. That was a fail, I think, on the coach's side. So I, I think the Falcons have been very similar. Um, that Super Bowl team, power running. They finally put an offensive line in a run game down in Atlanta where they had a nice identity to complement Matt Ryan. When they go away from that and put all this pressure on Matt Ryan because you've got Julio and you're so enamored with being able to put up these yards, it doesn't bode well. Um, I would be committed to running the football down there. No matter who's in at quarterback, make it about the offensive line, but they don't seem to want to do that, so that's a problem. Yeah, they should want to run just to keep the defense off the field. Yeah, this has been the problem. They can't keep, you know, this is this is another one of those teams where you look at the training staff is probably the problem. It's like, why can't these guys stay? These guys can't stay healthy. And we we saw glimpses of how good that defense could be. And last year they lost about a player, a top notch player off that defense every week. And this year it hasn't been that much better. And the offense is still got decent rankings. I mean, when you actually pull out the stats and 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 look, and I mean a lot of it's been empty stats. 
but it hasn't been the same since uh, since Kyle Shanahan left. It's just been that's just the reality, and they haven't been able to find a replacement OC to kind of put that all together yet. All right, Bryce yeah, I mean, has been. Oh, real quick, I just wanted to say too, you know, Pittsburgh was able to bounce back in the run game last year when they lost Le'Veon. You know, no one was Le'Veon, but they were able to make up for it mainly because they got a good offensive line this year. Got a good offensive line. I mean, their quarterbacks have only been sacked maybe six times. It's, it's phenomenal. But this year, when you lose Antonio Brown, that that receiving room is filling it. I love Juju. To me, when I watch Juju, he's the closest, he's the closest person to Heinz Ward I've seen in the league. Because um, Heinz Ward is just a unique guy, a receiver. And he plays kind of like him. But there is not a lot complimenting him right now. And that receiving core overall, which used to be far and away the best in the AFC North, is not. And, I mean, they're yeah. really struggling to get guys open. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not what it used to be. Uh, but we we definitely <laughs> talked about that when uh, when the trade happened uh, uh, for uh, to get rid of Antonio Brown and then Le'Veon Bell uh, before that. And now Ben Roethlisberger going down. That was supposed to be the next triplets in the in the NFL. That was supposed to be the yeah. Aikman, Emmitt, and, and Michael Irvin. And when you talk about all three of them gone, it's pretty much impossible to, to keep the, the level of play that you had going. So it's just a combination of the, the getting rid of the talent and then the injury is just very tough luck. So it's not much you can really do about it if you're a Steelers fan. Yeah, I mean, not much you not much you can do. I mean, they I like the two tight ends they got. Uh, Van Nett's a good number two now. I like Vance McDonald. You can keep this guy healthy. That's why I'm saying to bring it full circle, to come in and power run to start would have been really good. And then you can build inside out with those tight ends, then get the receivers involved and do a better job of scheming them open off the run game. That would have really helped, but if they would have taken that philosophy, but they didn't. I think they're getting back to it. I've been reading and they're talking about it because Rosie Nix is back. Um, they have to now. They have to do it by the same. Yeah, they have to. I like they have a choice. Yeah, I like, I like Mason Rudolph. Good quarterback. I think he's played well, but come on. you got to run the football. Yeah, and how much of that offense was predicated on Roethlisberger with just pump fake, pump fake, pump fake, buy time, right. absorb, absorb right. big hits, and you know not get rattled in the pocket, and then deliver like the kill shots down the field. So, right. so losing, you know, all three of your main offensive elements. I mean, you could have all the you could have all the scheme in the world, and, and it's just it's hard to replace. Yeah, it is. Well, Bryce, it's great to hear from you. We we have been worried about you. We talk about you on the show all the time. Most uh, knowledgeable <laughs> sports fan out there. And best of luck to your Steelers on Monday night against the Fish. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, are you every – so you're every Friday night around this time? Well, usually every Saturday night, occasionally on Friday. So, you know, Friday or Saturday. Saturday from what, 8 to 10 or – Yeah, uh, well, nine, nine to well, eleven. Yeah, Eastern. usually, yeah, almost all of our. Yeah, we 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 used to do two shows a week, and now mostly this season we've stuck that we're doing the football party now, so we just do the one big two-hour show. So we do an hour of recap and an hour of picks live, and then last week we did what two forty-five. I mean, it was a pretty long show. Um, yeah. With the after show, but yeah, Saturdays at at nine central have been the majority of our shows. This one just happened to be a Friday. 
because Andre's got something going on tomorrow. And then a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, completely out of town and disposed on vacation, so we had no show <laughs> except yeah. for uh, a quick show for Andre. All right, so, yeah, so if I'm the, the, in more on Saturday, then I may be able to, to call in. I'm always out and about, so sometimes it's right. difficult to call in. Well, yeah, we accept those... your apology. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't forget to subscribe to the show. That's right. I will not forget to do that. Cool. Guys, always good to talk football with you. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. All right. Thanks, Bryce. All right, thanks, guys. That is the one and only Bryce yeah. in Brooklyn. Well, the world's biggest joke about the well. Yeah, we've been joking about the wellness check. They had a couple of rough losses <laughs> that one season. Um, you know, I remember, I remember it was early in one of the seasons when Bryce was calling in and I had picked Miami over the Steelers. And I know he was not excited about that. And that was like <laughs> one of my shocking picks of the season that came through. And, uh, we, he had a rough run there. Um, you know, but and then that lost to Jacksonville, but you know, he, he sounds like he's exacted that the, the Steelers schemed the Jaguars and put so much on tape of the Jaguars that they've just been reeling since. So Anybody that, out there? That's our understanding. It, it, it all goes. It all goes back to the Steelers for for you Jags out there. So take that, take take solace in your win that the Steelers did you win. They learned their lesson, according to the, right. the future head coach of the Steelers, Bryson Brooklyn. I don't think you will find. I don't think you will find a more passionate uh, Steelers fan out there. Oh no, and and there are plenty of passionate Steelers fans. I work with several of them. Yes. And the uh, maid of honor of my wedding is another especially one. Especially draft party Steeler fans. We're very trying passionate. to avoid that. We, we don't want <laughs> very, to get into that very again. <laughs> We're trying to not think about that ever, ever again. <sighs> so, <laughs> Mike so Mitchell back. will be in the Hall of Infamy <laughs> just on that. For reasons that he never could have imagined. Um, I feel like we're trying to entice those losers to call in again every time we talk about that. Uh, so thankfully they haven't done that. And I don't know what, if they come up, I don't know their number. Bryce, I know his number, but uh, if they call in again, I, I would have no idea. But anyway, uh, back to uh, the week seven recap that we were getting into. Um, I definitely wanted to point out your uh some of your impressive predictions and calls about I had I had impressive we had I had impressive calls last week that's news to me <laughs> you you always have impressive calls I don't always remember them uh but you said I wrote this down you said that there's always silliness when uh the Texans play the Colts and, and you also said that Darius Leonard would come back and make a big difference in that game and, and boy ah. howdy did he um so that was definitely one that that you had uh, with the Colts and the Texans, you know, um, I, I don't know quite what to make of, of the Texans because every time I'm ready to just kind of give up on them and, well, they're not going to put it all together, then all of a sudden uh, Deshaun Watson goes off and has a huge game. Uh, and then I start to City and beats Patrick Mahomes. And then he goes <laughs> right. and then he goes to Indy and, and they lose. <laughs> and, but it's a and, they, and they give up 30 and, 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 to Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. And I said it would be a close game, and it was, and the Texans were in it. I just had that, I had that feeling, you know, tough divisional matchup, a place that they historically don't play well. Nobody's, you know, they're not going to win every game. I mean, if we look back at the end of the season and the, the Texans are 11-5 and five or 12-4, and four, 
no one's going to look at them with any shame. I think that's something that we forget sometimes is we, you know, we, teams just aren't going to win every week. And this one just had that feel um, like it was lining up for the Colts who've been, who've been impressive. Uh, I, without, I we, we wrote them off after they lost Andrew Luck and they, they're, they're slowly making believers out of me. Maybe that roster was better um, than we expected it to be. They they were. They're uh, one of several teams that are competing and are, are tough outs every single week, uh, regardless of record. And, and four and two is a, a very good record. Nothing at all to sneeze at. Uh, we didn't expect them to be that good, but they play like they're six and zero. Oh. They come out. They, they they come at you every game. There's no quit in them. Um, obviously, the 49ers are doing that at, at six and zero. Oh. Um, but uh, the the Packers are just, I, I can't believe what Aaron Rodgers is doing. Um, but that's just a very short list of, of teams that really get at you every game. Uh, but back to that uh, Colts-Texans uh, game, you said there's always silliness. And this time the silliness was uh, the Deshaun Watson in the grasp situation where the Texans had a, a score to, to tie the game and got the touchdown erased because uh, Deshaun Watson was fighting his way out of a sack situation, yeah. but wasn't, but didn't fight well enough, uh, and the referees <laughs> blew the play, blew the play dead because they yeah. said at one point that he had he was in the what they used to call when we were growing up in the '80s the yeah. grasp and control, and said nope, he, even though he didn't go down, you're sacked, your your momentum has stopped, and you're and someone's got their hands around your leg, and therefore we're going to call you down and sacked, and right before he had. Uh, ripped off a throw into the end zone and, and actually had a touchdown pass. So yeah. touchdowns erased was kind of the theme of last week. Uh, when you talk about the San Diego Clippers and also uh, with oh, the grasping man. control rule. Or, or, or your favorite call, which helped you greatly in the green Bay Oakland game, which was the fumble out of the corner of the end zone. Derek Carr really needs to stop trying to dive into the end zone. <laughs> Derek Carr needs a new move. Yes, that one doesn't work. When you have that that video game and 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 you keep trying the same move and it's backfiring on you, you yeah. need to try a different move. Take it from me, I've had plenty of video games in which I kept trying the same thing over and over again, and it never seemed to work out. <laughs> and I eventually it got through my skull. Try something else, dumbass. Yeah, and it wasn't like it was a third or a fourth down. It was fairly early in the down sequence that he, you know, just take your take the ball out of bounds at the three inch line and running it on the next play with Jacobs, who was uh, being somewhat of a beast against that Packers defense. The the Raiders, to their credit, even though the score ended up looking like a blowout, left so many points on the field in that game that you, you didn't feel like that this was just an utter Green Bay domination. It got that way late. You know, when Aaron Rodgers just said, you know, he's just going to whip out the dick and just like just like just whack it across the faces of all the Raiders, which he did with regularity in the third and fourth quarter of that game. But yes. up until midway through the third quarter, even though the Packers were up and covering, you're looking at the score like this game just feels closer than it was. And it was by virtue of the fact that the Raiders just kept leaving points all over that field. Um, all is not. You know, it's it, the Raiders are better, I think, than I think either one of us expected them to be. But that is clearly the hallmarks of a team that is, you know, it wasn't really a coaching issue. 
I think they came in pretty well prepared. You could see that they had a plan to go into Lambeau and, and, and really looked good early on in that game. And it, overall, it was it was just way too much Aaron Rodgers and what he was the 420-some-odd yards that he ended up putting up on that Oakland secondary, which is, oh, man, that secondary is bad. So a lot of bad secondaries out there. But, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, five touchdown throws, and he ran another one in because that wasn't enough scoring for him. Um, the, the ball he's playing the last couple of weeks are about as good as he's ever played, and that's saying something about his career. So uh, he, he's on one right now. Uh, yeah, this is the, this uh, is uh, you, you know it's funny that people start all of a sudden like you have one or two good games and everybody starts throwing you out into the MVP discussion, which is like, oh, just, just shut up. This is this is like sports media type stuff. I forget who it was who's been playing awful all season so far. Had like two good games in a row. Uh, was it Kirk Cousins? I think was even being put out there like, oh, oh, Kirk, oh, look, Kirk Cousins is going to be creeping into the MVP discussion. Yeah, he's in the MVP discussion. He's not the MVP. There you go. End of discussion. <laughs> that that's your discussion. <laughs> that's the discussion. He's not. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he should kind of always be in that discussion. But I understand that the early part of the season, the that offense wasn't really. We're, hey, where are all of the early season? Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers can't get along with the coach. All, where's all that stuff right now? I I, I can't say that. I, I'm probably I'm sure I was one of those and, that was and that offense, uh, wondering all that offense about that. And, and, you know, the yeah, defense gotta, is carrying them in. So they've uh, they've been piling it up the last couple of weeks. Got a new kid coach up there. How's he going to get along with the veteran? I, I was certainly yeah. worried about that uh, at the beginning of the season. I, I'm not worried about it at the moment. So you know, and, they, and they again, one of your favorite moves. And one of your favorite moves, making making playmakers out of just absolute nobodies. I believe post hype uh, IMLD sleeper Jake Kumaro <laughs> has been making your some guy. nice plays. You can remember yeah, back to last guy. season. See, yeah, I'm sure you saw that, and you're like, "Hey, I remember him getting Every some run on our name. show." <laughs> I remember him getting some run on our show back in 2018, and there he is getting a chance, making some plays. So that was nice to see. Um, Always nice when you get a post hype guy show up and make some plays after I had talked him up on the show. Well, you get enough guys hurt, I guess he gets his opportunity. They're, they're down <laughs> about their, getting, everybody gets to play wide receiver in Green Bay. Yeah, yeah. but they're about their seventh or eighth receiver right now, and it, and it doesn't matter. Rodgers will just make a star out of him. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's on one. Uh, I, I definitely wanted to give, and, and this goes back again to I'll call it like I see it in every situation, as much as I slam and give criticism to Dak Prescott, and as much as I don't think he's a franchise quarterback, I'll give him the the, the credit and the due when he plays well. And Sunday night, he, he was on one. He was trying to be Aaron Rodgers out there. He was from the jump against the Eagles. He was trying to to prove some sort of point Uh, the Cowboys, of course, that came in, they won their first three to start the season. Then they lost three in a row. So, uh, it was the desperate bowl on Sunday night with the Cowboys versus the Eagles, who are also three and three. And uh, man, Dak first snap decided to, to flip the ball forward to Zeke uh, as, as he was being chased around. He, he just kind of okay. I'm going to be uh, Pat Mahomes on this one. I'm going to flip it. Uh, you know, no look pass like I'm a, a basketball player. Uh, he, he took a, a quarterback sneak on third down on that same first drive and decided to not just get the first down and then take a knee, but grind forward. He, get, he had a, like an eight yard run on a, on a quarterback sneak, which you never see. Um, he had a 
cute uh, little fake run and, and flip it back to Tavon Austin for that first touchdown uh, who went all the way and scored from 20 yards out. So uh, not just Dak, but Dak setting the tone for the whole Cowboys offense to come out and say, okay, this is where we put our foot down and, and assert ourselves. And great game by Dak Prescott, great great game by the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they put the, the Philadelphia Eagles in a really bad place, uh, not just in the standings, but in the locker room because they've got a whole lot of drama going on there. Uh, but kudos to the Cowboys. When they get it done, they get it done, and, and I will absolutely give them the credit for that. Yeah, I, I believe we were both on that one, and I think you're just starting to see just how awful that back end is for the Eagles, and just how, how do we highlight that enough? I mean, even in a tough division matchup, you're just you're just you're not going to hold up against a team with league average or better than league average talent at quarterback and wide receiver. And I know you're not Dak, Dak Prescott's biggest fan, but even he can shred that secondary. <laughs> <laughs> and that he did. So yeah. So the the Eagles got completely torched by Black Jesus, and here we go. Now we've been avoiding it. We talked about it briefly with Bryce when he asked about your team, but one of the ones oh, we disagreed on. Man, those Bears. So I'll start by giving credit to the New Orleans Saints. I was very impressed by pretty much everything they did. The play calling uh, by Sean Payton was excellent. He made sure to take advantage of what Chicago was giving him. He didn't try, uh, he didn't have Teddy Bridgewater try to do too much. Um, It's pretty much what he's been doing with Teddy Bridgewater since Drew Brees got hurt. And uh, they were talking during the broadcast about coach of the years. Again, with the, like, just like with the MVP, uh, you have the sports talk type angle about, well, this puts him in conversation for coach of the year. Uh, Sean Payton absolutely has to be in anyone's conversation for coach of the year for what he's done with the Saints. That is not the same offense at all under Teddy Bridgewater as it is under Drew Brees. And a lot of these coaches out here uh, would not know how to make that adjustment, but Sean's been around so long and he's such a, a great offensive mind anyway. Uh, he knew how to take that offense, uh, adjust it, Alvin Kamara not on the field for this game against Chicago, so he makes Latavius Murray the the bell cow back, and that works out for him. It just everything they did went well. The uh, the like I said, the play calling, uh, even a little trick plays. Taysom Hill took a, a a fullback option at one point. They had a, a, a handoff to the fullback, who then pitched an option back to Taysom Hill, and the Bears had no idea what was going on, and and Taysom Hill was able to run for good yardage. Just Teddy Bridgewater, the decisions that he made when he did have pressure, when he did have situations where he had to make the right call, seemed to always have the right decision, the right uh, target downfield. Uh, Like I said, Murray uh, really flashed as well. Uh, I've always been a fan of his ever since he was uh, with the Raiders anyway, but uh, they really took advantage of all their weapons and just a great all-around game by the New Orleans Saints. So I give them all the credit for that. The Bears are, uh, I how do I what I don't I don't quite know what the word is to describe what what Chicago is right now. You, you get your quarterback uh, Mitch Trubisky booed off the field because of how bad he was playing, and not only did he deserve it for his play, but the coach Matt Nagy also deserves uh, some of the the criticism and some of those boos because just like Sean Payton makes the adjustment 
and and puts his guys in the best position to perform to the best of their abilities. Uh, Matt Nagy right now is not putting Mitch Trubisky and the rest of the the talent on the Bears in the best position to perform to their abilities. I was uh, what I did not say uh, pregame was that I hope they run the ball more because I don't think they necessarily have to. I just think they have to be smarter about the the, the passes that they call. So that's what I was calling on and hoping for was just go a little more basic with Trubisky and give him basic options. Don't try to do a whole lot of razzle-dazzle and trickery. Uh, Just let him get into a a comfort zone with with shorter throws and basic plays. I didn't didn't know they were going to go completely away from the run, like totally. Like they didn't even try to run the football uh, what did they come up with total uh, in yardage here? Uh, 17 yards of, of of running, 17 yards rushing yeah. for the Bears uh, as a team. That's atrocious. That's embarrassing. That you don't. I don't know why you have the need to go completely away from the run when you when you start getting behind. It, it, all I can call it is a panic move. Matt, Matt Nagy right now is it, this is his first head coaching gig however offensive genius he might be right now, it looks like he's panicking at, at, at the coaching position and he's not getting Mitch Trubisky. Uh, he's not doing him any favors by panicking and having him drop back and, and have no chance at all. Uh, he was seeing ghosts. We had a lot of quarterbacks out there uh, seeing dead people. Uh, Mitch Trubisky looked like he, after a while he was running around and expecting somebody to smash him from behind. So, so he gets that too, because he was doing a little bit of that as well. And, uh, but again, that's the coaching. That's not just Trubisky. That's uh, Matt Nagy not setting up much more uh, basic plays and, and basic patterns and having some guys there as, as, as outlet patterns. And, and maybe he does have some guys there and Trubisky just can't get it to him because he's, he's so spooked right now. Maybe that's the problem. But uh, from what I'm seeing, uh, it's the coaching and the quarterback right now. And I, I, it's, it doesn't look good in Chicago right now. There's uh, chatter about Trubisky not being equipped enough to run the offense that Chase Daniel might be the better option. And there is no way that that's any good, that, that there, there's actual legit sports people. It's good. Not just the, I'm not talking about the fans calling into the score uh, after the game and, and calling for the backup quarterback. Cause that's going to happen anyway. But I'm talking about like the writers in town and, and the actual uh, observant sports media in there. Some of them are, are starting to say the same things and, uh, that that's that's terrible. I, I think Trubisky has way too much talent for for something like that to be talked about with any kind of seriousness. Well, and I expected. I, I don't know. I don't. I can't remember quite exactly how what you were expecting. Uh, but I expected regression from the Bears this year. I expected that that defense was somewhat otherworldly last year, and that they would they that they wouldn't necessarily be bad but that they weren't going to operate at the level that they operated last year. All the defensive touchdowns, the pick sixes, the, you know, the opportune turnovers, it's it just, it hasn't been there for them yet this year. And you, and you can't live by that. You, that. That can't be a way of life for you and expect that, yeah, we're going to go, you know, 12 and four or 13 and three, and we're going to repeat what the magic that we had last season, getting minimal um, play, out of the quarterback because they kept giving him the ball in such short fields and they didn't ask him. He didn't have to do a lot because that defense was so dominating. And this year where he's been, the, the, you know, the offense has been needed to do a little bit more because they're not getting this, this insane clip of turnovers and all the and, and special teams touchdowns and, and, and doing all that. 
It's just that that hasn't been there for them yet this year, and I didn't expect it to be. And so I thought a little bit of regression for that team was going to be more natural. There's a progression here, and I, you know, Trubisky is clearly not at that level. But when you ask an offense to be that imbalanced, I mean, you pointed it out. I mean, how many rush attempts did they have? Six? Seven? Yeah, something like that. It, it was, you know, well, it doesn't help when you give the ball to David Montgomery um, Twice. in a somewhat close game, and he just gives the ball right back to the <laughs> to the Saints. That that doesn't help either. That's not going to a lot of, instill a lot of confidence in your in your running back, but that doesn't mean that you just completely abandon the run. Where, where's Tariq right. Cohen? You know, where, where there, there's other like options. A, yes. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be, if you're going to be that, you know, far away from the run, then you better have an offense like the Patriots. You, you better be on time and on schedule and be able to use that short passing game as your running game. The Trubisky's not that guy. Right. Is you better have Brady or Rogers or Mahomes or somebody, if you're going to, rely on the passing game that much yeah. and that is not Trubisky at all right and, now. and and the in the amount of uh you know is the amount of sort of admiration that I have for what Sean Payton and Teddy Bridgewater have sort of cobbled together here I, I called Teddy Bridgewater last week in that offense like the most malleable offense like whatever they have needed they have gotten yeah. Um, and I, you know, I compared it very, you know, very favorably to what the Patriots would do anytime Tom Brady wasn't there for extended absences. And it was just like, whatever you needed week to week, it seemed like they always had the answer. And here's Sean Payton every week. He's needed something different out of Teddy Bridgewater and Teddy Bridgewater has delivered. He needs them to game manage and just, you know, dink and doink. He does that. He needs big plays down that he does that. They need to go into Chicago and be one of the top defenses of football. Check. It's just been it's it's extremely impressive, and you know if I was if I had a vote, I think Sean Payton would probably be my, my coach of the year right now. Yeah, certainly can't argue with any of that. Uh, staying in that division, another uh, impressive effort, uh, actually two impressive efforts if you ask me, because the Detroit Lions did not wilt under the Monday night screw job. We were wondering. Uh, how they were going to come out and respond after getting completely hosed by the referees against the Packers on uh, last Monday night. And they came into uh, the game against uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, at home and they did not wilt. They, they took it to the Vikings. They came at them. Uh, I went on football fan rush radio uh, Sunday morning and actually one of their hosts is a Lions fan. And before I could even say it, before I could get it out of my mouth, he was talking about the fact that the Lions don't score enough touchdowns and keep settling for field goals. And they had to change that if they had any chance to beat the Vikings. And uh, I was picking the, the Vikings to win that game. Um, and that's one of the picks that I got over a year based on the Lions not being able to score touchdowns. And the Lions yeah. haven't scored touchdowns and, and kept scoring touchdowns and kept coming at the Vikings. And the Minnesota Vikings had the answer every single time. They, they, they came right back at the Lions and said, okay, that's nice. Now watch this. Kirk Cousins played his ass off. Dalvin Cook was a beast running the football. Uh, they overcame the uh, early injury to uh, Adam Thielen after he scored his touchdown. Uh, and they actually got some production out of somebody named Ola B.C. Johnson. They just the, the Vikings very much impressed me with what they did in that game because the Lions had uh, all the fight you could hope for, and, and the Minnesota Vikings answered it and then some and came up with a big road win. Yeah, and that was I, I, and again another one where I was on the wrong side of a pick 
but I didn't feel bad about my pick. I, I don't feel like I completely saw that game the wrong way. The Lions, the, the Vikings just outplayed them, uh, but there's the Vi- the Lions are still, you know, even if they're, you know, and they've been hosed, uh, they had that one game where they, you know, they should have one more win than they have, um, which is not going to help them come playoff time. But this is a, you know, this is a team that could be, you know, pretty, pretty nasty spoiler as we get later into the season, uh, especially for teams that have to go in there and play them. So that was, uh, At, um, and, and I guess I, I, I'm not going to come completely around on ass clown, but <laughs> that team has produced better results than I have expected from a team that's coached by an ass clown. That's uh, another one of the teams that absolutely competes uh, every game. The lions so far this year, they, they had all the fight you could possibly ask for. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you can't take anything away from that, but man, uh, I just knew that the, uh, the the lot that the Vikings were going to be in trouble when I saw the Lions come out and, and score a, 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 the first touchdown and then the second touchdown and then the third time I'm like oh my God the Lions are actually getting in the end zone and Minnesota winds up answering and coming back yeah. and, and putting up touchdowns of their own and, and which is what made that performance they had last night so disappointing yeah that was yeah that was that was so lethargic I mean that really we talk about the team that just looks like it's shows up and expects to win. And that was the Vikings last night that they, there was nothing to them. Uh, you had the feeling that if case Keenum hadn't gotten concussed, they may have hung around in that game even more. Uh, because mm-hmm. once you saw Dwayne Haskins, I was like, Oh, I got this cover. <laughs> I mean, he's going to, he's going to put one in the end zone for the other team. And uh, he tried. Yeah. He tried, no. but that's that. That was you go from being impressed, so impressed with them the last two weeks, to seeing that performance on Thursday night last night with the Vikings, and just going, you know, I can't trust this team. Again, they can get to the playoffs, but why would I put any trust or faith in any team quarterback by Kirk Cousins, a team that they're afraid to let him throw the football? Uh, whatever, I'm not bitter about that yet. <laughs> right, and, but that. That same team looks so impressive the last few weeks, though. So it, they have it in them clearly, but when you get away from the balance, that's the key. Is they had the the first uh, few games of the year where they were relying completely on the run game because they were afraid of Cousins. Came back and had the apology games where he has to make up to both of his receivers and, and completely balls out. But they never lose the running attack, they balance it with Dalvin Cook. So you got both going on and that's how you, you go in and put 42 up on the, the on the Detroit lions. Uh, and then you come back last night, you go back to your original premise of the season, which is that you're scared of Kirk Cousins losing the games for you. Uh, so you completely over rely on the run game and you don't trust Kirk Cousins to do anything. That's what it's going to look like. Uh, so well, I, I didn't know that. Mike was... Zimmer, apparently Mike Zimmer must be a listener of this show. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they were going to look like that last night. I, I just, I just thought that was a whole lot of points to to cover. That's all. But yeah, yeah that was that was nine. And there were yeah. and there were touchdowns that they, they they were leaving touchdowns out on the field. They were kicking some some short field goals, and yeah, there was just no energy at all. And you even heard the guys, you know, when they went to halftime and they were talking about the game, um, talking about that, you know, all oh, the it was 13 to six, I believe at that point about how much the, the Vikings defense had let the 
Redskins hang around in all these big chunk plays. You're like, yeah, but they've only got six points. I mean, is this how much we're babying the Redskins now? So to me, that wasn't so much that they let the Redskins hang around. That was the Vikings should have had those guys by 17 points. They should have had the cover in the first half already. And that's what I think was disappointing. But um, most important question of the week would have to be, if I had told you that the Bills were going to score 31, you thought you would have had yourself a big cover. I sure would have. But no, the Dolphins hang around and fight again, and they put up 21 and and cover their big 17-point spread. And I uh, believe were very competitive in that game into the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, they were right there, yeah. Uh, My favorite play of the week, uh, even though I said it would be a defensive touchdown, was Micah Hyde running in the onside kick after I said that I can just see Micah Hyde running in a pick six. <laughs> he doesn't does, He doesn't do a pick six. He returns a 45-yard onside kick. He found a way to run it in. <laughs> so anybody who was playing some IDP uh, and took my Micah Hyde <laughs> tip this last week, you are welcome. Yeah, the Dolphins gave the game away with, with turnovers, but they, they were there. They were competing. Uh, they, they didn't give away that big spread for you. So once again, uh, you, you ride that Dolphins train on, on the point spreads and you and you come away with a victory. So, yeah, two weeks in a row. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nauseating. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we end up tied after seven weeks. <laughs> uh, another nauseating uh bad pick by me, but uh, but you were on it as well, was that, that Falcons game that I already talked oh. about was my lock. <laughs> I, I guess the secondary on the fly for the Rams, I, I guess that worked out okay. I guess, uh, uh, I, I guess was, Dylan Ramsey was, worked out okay. That was mailed in bad. It, yeah, at, at, at the end, it looked like they didn't give a damn at all. Yeah. And yeah, then they, they really trained Mohamed Sanu this week. Um, yeah, they're they're, the they're definitely waving the white flag. Yeah, they they're oh, selling which, off which parts is good. now. I appreciate I appreciate these later trade deadlines. Um, right. You know, season past this all would have been over by week four, week five. I appreciate that they've pushed this later into the season. I think you will see more teams uh, pulling a little bit of a baseball move here and dumping for draft picks. And you know, hey, if you're Atlanta and you've got a player and you're not keeping them next year and you can flip them somewhere else for a two, you do it. Uh, I believe we also saw Emmanuel Sanders the same day get moved. I actually thought was the more impactful move. Um, Emmanuel Sanders going to give uh, Jimmy Garoppolo another weapon out in San Francisco. So, you know, two big, two big wide receiver trades on the same day, Um, you know, in an era when, you know, a few years ago, we wouldn't have had any trades this time of season. So I'm for it. I mean, if somebody wants to dump and accumulate some draft picks and, and go that route. Uh, we've seen what it's done for baseball and some of the excitement that it can create. No reason why football shouldn't be able to to mimic that. I agree with that. Uh, now, uh, Bristol, Connecticut would have had you uh, making the tour of all their shows because I, uh, that's Wednesday is the day I happen to be off of work. So I was watching those shows and that was the big toss up question being thrown around to all those afternoon shows was, which was the more impactful trades Sanu to the Patriots or Sanders to the 49ers. And because it's the Patriots and it's, uh, you know, Northeast we're talking about, everybody was saying that Sanu to the Patriots was, was way more impactful. Yeah. And I don't, I don't see it that way. 
I, I really don't. I didn't. I mean, do, do the Patriots really need to add another I mean, weapon? I mean, it's you know, Josh Gordon then immediately goes on IR. You'd be, I'd be hard pressed to tell you that Sanu over Gordon is anything of an upgrade. Uh, it gives them it gives them some trickeration because then you can get one of these uh, the, the Sanu bomb or whatever they would call it when he was doing <laughs> it in Atlanta because he was a high school quarterback so he could he could throw some some passes and some goofy we we know that the Patriots love their trickeration and their razzle dazzle so don't be surprised if you see something come along along that way here with a Muhammad Sanu touchdown pass somewhere down the line. Sure, sure, everyone's calling for but, that. No. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, I think at this point was more is more productive. Um, I think he's got more in the tank, and I think that was a, a sneaky smart move by the 49ers, a team that's winning solely on defense and needs to give their quarterback some more weapons, as, as, you know, especially with a wide receiver core where, where the, the players are named who, who, <laughs> and uh, who, who. <laughs> all you know is George Kittle, and he's the tight end. Right, it's George no, Kittle and but, some dudes. Uh, but but you're going to be wrong. Emmanuel Sanders will not have nearly the impact that everyone else will have, or everyone else thinks he's going to have. And the reason is because I probably picked up Emmanuel Sanders on my fantasy team, so I killed him. Oh, well, in yeah. theory, I was right. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that was I. I thought that the day it happened before you probably made the waiver claim. <laughs> Just the fact that he was on the waiver wire tells you how bad that Denver offense is. Oh, that's Joe Flacco. My God, is he awful. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, how long before we move on from how long before we move on from Drew, uh, Joe Flacco? Oh, my God. Oh, it's John, John Elway. Again, the problem in Denver is John Elway doesn't know how to pick a quarterback at all. I mean, just look at the, yeah. the, the list of his, of his quarterback pickups. It's Peyton and, and Bones. Well, yeah. So that that's the big problem there. Uh, all the other thing, the last thing I had from Week Seven was uh, just giving props to uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, who keep yeah. playing the way that they're going to play. And no matter what anyone thinks about it, it it's effective. Uh, going up to Seattle and and not just winning, but kicking their ass by two touchdowns. Uh, and doing it the way they they've been doing it. Lamar's going to take off and run when he wants to run, and you can't stop him because he's he, going he's almost... to get killed. But <laughs> well, that's okay. As long as, long as it hasn't works. happened yet. Uh, and we we completely trashed and shit all over Marcus Peters getting traded over. Oh yeah, he had a pick six. <laughs> right. So uh, another one that worked out another, pretty another well. Another listener. Another listener of our show. So that, that's everyone is getting motivation. Yeah, <laughs> someone needs to give us a shout out. If you're all getting motivated by the the musings yeah, of this show, we got, we got to, yeah, we're calling Micah Hyde touchdowns, and uh, yeah, so we're so we're calling Micah Hyde into the end zone, and we're making fun of Marcus Peters, and he shoves it up our ass. Yeah, so so good, perfect, good, good job. Yeah, he made a nice jump on the ball, but we but he is an all or nothing type of corner. Exactly, and, he's and, going to get toasted doing that eventually. Yeah, he's going to jump a route on a double move and just going to be somebody oh, shit. 30 yards behind him in the old Bears cover zero. Yeah. Getting but covered by the ice cream truck driver. It didn't didn't happen in week seven, so good on them. No. So he jumped that route and you know welcomed himself onto the new team, um, and, and it went, worked well. Okay, good job. 
Now, uh, going into week eight, this would usually be in the old days where we would have our ghoulish highlight games because yes. Halloween coming up uh, next week. Uh, but we haven't been doing highlight games, so I assume we're just going to go straight through uh, as we always, uh, as we've been doing all year, uh, instead of uh, going to the uh, to the spooky music. Uh, so we'll get started on that uh, after I give the plugs out and let you all know that just like Bryce in Brooklyn, you are listening live to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. That's where you listen to this show live. Uh, to listen to the show as a podcast, you can do it in one of many different ways. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe on any number of podcasting apps, uh, including TuneIn, MixCloud, Player.fm, Blueberry, uh, many others of different names. And it seems like there's more that come along every day that I've never heard of. But uh, th- those that take us on, uh, we thank you and we appreciate you very much. Uh, some of them don't update us normally uh, as as often as they should. Some of them will, st- will still have like week three is the most uh, recent podcast, and that's just uh, come on, guys, get on the ball. Uh, anyway, you can uh, email the show with any questions or comments. You will send that to in much less detail at gmail dot com. You can follow our football picks on our blog when I put them up, which will probably be tomorrow. Uh, don't have to put them up tonight because the games aren't until Sunday. Uh, but our picks are always available before the Sunday games get started on our blog. The blog site is in much less detail.blogspot.com. And if you want to follow Jason on Twitter, he is at IMLDJTG. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at IMLDDre. And that's a way to know when the show is actually going live because I try. Uh, Every now and then I forget, but I try to tweet out when we're live uh, before every show starts. Uh, So that's one way to know uh, if we we do switch up days sometimes. Sometimes we're Friday, sometimes we're Saturday. Uh, Like Jason said, I have uh, uh, I'm picking up my wife tomorrow, coming back from her month away. uh, So I'm not available tomorrow night. But usually it's Saturday night at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. That's what we aim for every weekend. But, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. We wind up doing our show on Friday, but uh, every now and then. But usually it's Saturday nights. Uh, I don't anticipate uh, anything next weekend. Uh, I don't know if you have anything next Friday uh, next Saturday. Uh, so we, we think it's going to be back to Saturday next weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Just making sure. I don't see any reason not to. All right. Well, with that, it's time to get into these week eight picks. A little early still for a little uh, real or fake, but we'll probably get into that next weekend sometime. Uh, About halfway through the season is a good time to do that. But for now, we get into our week eight picks, which I, I have not gone back and looked this up. Uh, maybe someone else has somewhere out there, but I just happened to notice, I, I noticed, first of all, I, I noticed that the week is very weird. Like all the games are, are weird and strange and uh, only a few of them are like exciting or really interesting. And the others are just <laughs> I got like, that too. I know I blazed like, through the yeah. picks because I had like 10 minutes to make my picks tonight because of work. But I was looking at all these games, and my immediate reaction to most of them was, Ew. Yeah, it's just, Ew. So 
I think one of the reasons is I just happened to notice there aren't any uh, division matchups this week. I don't know how often they do okay. that. So if somebody uh, has, has ever looked that up or would know anything about that, or maybe that's something that happens every season. I've just never paid attention, but all of these matchups seem weird and unusual because they all are weird and unusual. There's no yeah. rivalries. There's no uh, traditional matchups. There's nothing uh, about all of these games that, that make you go, Oh yeah, that's a, well, no, there, there's, they do, they do stack so many of the division games, like the first few and last few weeks of the season. And there's really only six games. You know, there's only six total uh, divisional games that anybody's going to play. So if you're doing your first two games that way and your last two games that way, I guess you're going to run into this once in a while where you're going to have a, you're going to have a week where you have some unfamiliar opponents. I'm even, I'm looking at next week's uh, schedule and I believe I see two division games next week. And one of them are like, wait, so three, there's three. Because we have to get the Cowboys and the Giants on Monday night. Oh, Jesus. No, of course. Uh, but that's about uh, what I usually that's about what we usually see is about two or three uh, a week. Uh, I don't remember zero, uh, but again, maybe it, it happens and I just haven't noticed. Uh, but but zero was was shocking to see to me. But yeah, when you, I guess when you think about it, it really you, since everybody is playing the division in week seventeen, what you're really talking about is sixteen weeks of five division matchups uh, each divided into 16 weeks. So yeah, you're, you're going to have some spots in there where there's uh, not going to be very many uh, left over, but like I said, zero to me is, is unusual, but that's what we got this week. We got uh, uh, 14 matchups left after the Thursday nighter and they're all weird to me. So, <laughs> so great. It should be, it should be an interesting week then with some, with some strange results. And I think my picks reflect that I made some strange picks. The spreads even reflected to me. Um, we, I don't know if we've ever gotten this deep into the numbers before either, but have you ever thought about, like, the spreads be in between the number three and the number seven? Because to me, there's not very many. Usually, uh, if a team is favored pretty heavily, you're going to get a touchdown or more. But if right. it's kind of even out, it's usually going to be about a field goal or less. To me – through the years, there's when you get a spread that's like five or four or four and a half, that's rare. Usually, you don't see yeah. spreads move into that area. There's a lot of those spreads this week. I'm counting. Uh, let's see, if you if you extend it out to six and a half, um, if you give me that much and, and say that that's weird, but the seven is is not so unusual. If you give me six and a half, the number of spreads between three and a half and six and a half this week. I'm going to count that real quick here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven spreads between three and a half and six and a half. That's weird. That's the whole week is just weird. The whole thing is just weird. It's almost like it's trying to summon the spirits of Halloween, even though we're not doing our spooky Halloween picks. It's almost like they want me to acknowledge that Halloween is coming up or something. So I'll give them their music because the, the schedule is weird. The, the spreads are weird. Everything is weird and spooky. And, and I don't like this week at all. I don't have any confidence at all in any of this pits, but, uh, but that, but that's what we got on our hands here in week eight. So let, let's dig into it here. 
going straight down the list, starting with, oh boy, speaking of weird, the Atlanta Falcons again. Uh, so they're still at home. They're uh, now they're hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Seattle now five and two after Baltimore came in and cleaned their clock at home. Uh, so you know they're going to be upset. Atlanta's down to one and six. All of their hopes for this year are completely out the window. Uh, even Matty Ice is is possibly uh, not going to play because he's got that ankle that he twisted up late in that game on Sunday against the Rams. But I, I think he's still going to make it out there. Everything I'm reading is he wants to make it out there. Maybe uh, this he's got an active streak, uh, 155 oh, starts boy. in a row that that might have something to do with it. I don't know if that motivates him or not, but. Uh, but he does have that streak, so he's probably going to get out there even though the season's over and maybe there's real no real reason for him to get out there. In any event, uh, the Seahawks are big favorites. Seven, they're not this not one of the weird spreads because it's right on the number at seven, uh, but the Seahawks uh, give seven points at the Falcons. Yeah, I, not not too crazy about this Matt Ryan injury. If we end up having to see meaningful snaps out of Matt Schaub, ooh, you might be playing some more of that Halloween <laughs> horror music because we know that, that that's two touchdowns going the other way almost guaranteed if we see uh, any length of meaningful snaps out of Matt Schaub. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to I'm going to take the Seahawks. I don't like this pick. Um I, I do think that's hear a that lot a lot of points. this week. I do I do think that's a lot of points um for a team that's historically good at home. You you'd think that eventually you're just going to kind of have that get right move, you know, that get right game where you just you make a move against a, a superior opponent and you just hang tough with them. But, you know, with Matt Ryan being even more limited in his mobility and he's not the most mobile guy, I could see uh, Seattle, especially with Russell Wilson. Uh, they generally do well coming off a loss. They come off of a home loss here in this situation. Uh, I think Pete Carroll has them ready to go. They go on the road and they get a, I would call it maybe about a 10 point win. Yeah. Um, not feeling very confident about any of these picks, but yeah, uh, Atlanta at home being a quality team that what they did last week uh, against the Rams, we talked about it already, but again, that was disgraceful. That was, they, they started off trying to, to play and trying to hang in there. And then when things didn't go their way, they turned it to the San Diego Clippers. It just turtled and, and gave it up and didn't give a damn. And the season, you could tell the season was over. You could tell everybody's body language and the way they were playing that they just basically quit. Uh, you've you've uh, anointed them, and I cannot dispute it. And, and so I'll agree with you. The first official fail at FedEx mail it in team FailX. Maybe that was a Freudian slip there. FedEx mail it in team of the season because the Falcons really did appear to quit. It's not something that we give away for teams that are just terrible right off the bat, like the the Dolphins or the Bengals or something like that. It's for a team that actively displays on the field that they don't care and that they, they've just given up. And uh, it's not that it's not for a uh, uh, lack of aptitude. It's for lack of effort. And so the Falcons looking like they've completely quit uh, topped off by Matty Ice getting hurt and maybe getting out there for reasons that he shouldn't get out there uh, on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you and give the seven um, and, and take the Seahawks, even though they just got beat uh, by the Ravens. Uh, I, I, and I'm afraid, just like you are, of the Falcons uh, turning around. I'm a, a former Atlanta backer this year. I'm not backing them anymore, obviously, but as a former Falcons backer, uh, I'm afraid of them getting pissed and playing the way they should, but uh, I can't deny that they look like they quit out there. I, I just got to say, if this continues, 
have we ever given the FedEx award to one of our Super Bowl picks? <laughs> I don't think we have. I, that, uh, that that may be a first. This is all uh, time, but this just this shows you what this season has done to us. This is a season that by the end of it, we'll have just survived and be glad it's over. And this is shaping up to be the all-time worst uh, Super Bowl pick that either one of us have ever had, because the Falcons are I mean. anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anything I but. mean, I, I'm not going to claim any geniusness with the Jaguars, but damn it, they compete. <laughs> they are not the I didn't Falcons. Expect, I did not expect Nick Foles to get blowed up in the first quarter of the first game. Right. Mid-touchdown and, pass, by the way. Beautiful throw. That, that's true. I, I'd forgotten about that. <sighs> so we'll get off of that, get the stench of the Falcons off of us early. And move on to the uh, Cardinals and the Saints down in the Superdome. Uh, Arizona is coming from the west, but not going as far east. Uh, they've been playing pretty good lately. Uh, they're three, three and one on the season now. And uh, if you had it, uh, Arizona at five hundred in Week Eight, raise your hand. And, and that's not going to be uh, too many of you out there. I don't think it's going to be any of you. Uh, and then speaking of. Who had New Orleans at six and one with Drew Brees missing a month of football, uh, and who had Teddy Bridgewater as undefeated uh, in his place? So that's very unusual as well. Uh, the Falcons, I'm sorry, the Cardinals are a big ten and a half point underdogs at the Saints, at, with the caveat that Drew Brees, that, that Sean Payton is being coy and not installing or officially announcing Drew Brees as a starter, but. Uh, indications are that it looks like he's ready to go and, and may, may very well get to start on Sunday. Yeah, and in sort of an interesting turn of events in a weird week, I'm going to go ahead and I'm actually going to take the points in the Arizona Cardinals. Um, if you are going to reinstall your quarterback, I would expect for there to be a little bit of some, some rust. And Drew Brees has shown to us that uh, that the arm talent isn't quite what it used to be. I know we know the Arizona Cardinals are, are complete garbage, but I think Kyler Murray has shown the ability to keep this team in games in some tough spots. This feels like the kind of game, oh, well, it's no problem. We'll get Drew Brees back in there. Everything will be fine. And the next thing you know, Kyler Murray's ripping off a, a 25-yard touchdown run or he throws a ball to, you know, Methuselah, wide receiver. And, you know, before before all is said and done, it this feels like a, a really, really cheap backdoor-style cover for the Arizona Cardinals. I think the Saints do get the win, um, but I think the Cardinals have enough weapons to hang around and make the, the Drew Brees welcome party uh, very interesting. So this is one of the uh, picks that having a show on Friday instead of Saturday is one of the ones that I kind of dread because there's no clarity at all about uh, – the Drew Brees game time decision about the Alvin Kamara game time decision. He might come back and play on Sunday. Uh, Sean Payton didn't say anything about that either. And even on the other side with the Cardinals, uh, David Johnson is once again, a game time decision, just like he was last week uh, when he wound up playing a couple of snaps and then chase Edmonds came in and ripped off three 20 yard touchdowns uh, in his place. So, at least we know if he doesn't play, Chase Edmonds is ready, and we know if Kamara doesn't play, Latavius Murray is ready, uh, and and we know if uh, Drew Brees doesn't get the start and Teddy Bridgewater goes back in there, we know he's ready because he's freaking undefeated. Uh, so there's a lot of uncertainty, but there's a lot of uh, 
good good backups in their place as well. So when you got uncertainty like this, I have to rely on some some crutches. I have to go back to some of my old tricks. So back to the three week trend that I used to use and oh. what, what have what have teams done in the last three weeks? What areas have they improved? What areas are they getting worse in? I can't talk about the terrible Saints secondary anymore. They have really stepped up in the last three weeks. They were giving up 8.4 yards per throw three three weeks ago. Then now for the season, they're only giving up 7.2. That is quite the improvement. And that's a step up in, in class and in defense for the, the, the little air raid offense that they got going in Arizona. Uh, so as, as impressive as Kyler Murray has been looking, he's been doing it with very few weapons. This would be a really fun matchup if he had more weapons, but uh, because he only has, like you said, Methuselah at, at receiver, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, and not too many other people around him, I'm going to go ahead and take New Orleans and give the 10 and a half. Uh, understanding that Drew Brees coming back probably will have a, a little bit of rust, but uh, just the, the home atmosphere and welcoming him back, I think by the time the second half comes, we'll probably push them on and, and have them running away with it in the end. Uh, don't feel great about that one, but going to go with an old crutch and, and say that the New Orleans defense, maybe they're, they're coming around for him a little bit. On to the uh, Bengals and the Rams. Uh, this is, Back in London, England at Wembley Stadium, they're taking the uh, home date away from the Rams here, which actually surprised me when I saw that. I just assumed that they were taking a home date from the terrible Bengals, but no, they're taking it from uh, the L.A. Rams, so that's that's quite interesting. Uh, The Bengals at 0-7, hard to predict. Uh, They've been playing decently at times and at other times not so much at all. The LA Rams are four and three and just about as hard to predict because you don't know from one game to the next, what LA Rams, what version of the Rams you're going to get. Uh, but with all that said, the uh, uh, neutrals uh, site matchup is a big spread. Anyway, the Bengals are 12 and a half point underdogs facing the Rams. Yeah. We were worried about the Rams patching together that secondary against normally a potent Falcons offense on the road. And they dominated uh, now they've got another week of Jalen Ramsey under the belt. His back's feeling good, and they're going against the absolute punchless Cincinnati Bengals. So if you want to, if you want to patch together your secondary, do it to a team that's hashtag full of quit, like the Atlanta Falcons, and a team like the Cincinnati Bengals that's just bad. So I will go ahead. I will give all the big points. I don't like it. Theme of the week. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like giving this many points to a team I don't trust. But oh man, those the the Bengals had some fight in them early, and I think that got them a few picks thrown their way um, that they just have not been able to come through on. They 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 completely nosedived last week against Jacksonville um, at home. I mean, yeah, now they're going cross country to L.A. Uh, to a team that maybe will start waking up here a little bit. Uh, Todd Gurley, hey, Todd Gurley's back. He looked pretty good against Atlanta. I mean, everybody looks good against Atlanta, but <laughs> yeah. against Cincinnati, I, yeah, this, this this has got squish written all over it. It does. Uh, I, I feel pretty much exactly the same. I don't have much more to add. I will give the 12 and a half, and I don't feel great about it at all because the Rams are pretty much heckle and jive themselves and the Bengals were heckle and jive from week one when they competed uh, in Seattle and 
and then went on to get beat up uh, the next game. And it, you don't know what you're getting from either one of these teams either way. But, yeah, I definitely have to trust the Rams more than the Bengals at this point because uh, the Bengals are just trash. Back in America, we have the Jets and the aforementioned Jaguars. Uh, New York and Sam Darnold uh, seeing ghosts at 1-5 and five, uh, are six-point underdogs at Minshew Mania and the 3-4 and four Jaguars. Yeah, well, if the Jaguars have any uh, pass rushes, I know uh, our buddy Bryson Brooklyn says that the Jaguars can't mount much of a pass rush. It's not quite the Jaguars team that I've been seeing this year. They they can get after the quarterback in spots. They're not going to get after the quarterback the same way that the the Patriots have been getting after it. And I think there's just that there's just that air of mystique. I think when you're playing the Patriots now and what Belichick can do coming after you and making these young quarterbacks look completely miserable. And he was, he was seeing the blitz when they were dropping into coverage. It was so bad. <laughs> so they were in his head. I don't think the Jaguars are going to completely get into Sam Darnold's head. I like the Jaguars to win this game, but I think that we, we might get more of a two weeks ago, Sam Darnold um, can soften up that secondary now without Jalen Ramsey a little bit. I think that Darnold can keep this game close and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Jets and the points. And uh, I don't like it. I concur, and I don't like it either. I have the exact same uh, outcome. I have the Jags winning, but the Jets staying within six points. Uh, for, for for that reason that Sam Darnold can revert back to what he did against the Cowboys, uh, he can do that to the Jaguars, who are not uh, the same defense that they were a few years ago, even – with Jalen Ramsey, they were uh, giving up more yardage and more points than you would think. And now without Jalen Ramsey, probably even more. Um, and also one other sneaky reason is back to the three-week trend. The Jets are trending up in defense, uh, both running uh, and pass defense. The, the Jets are actually getting a little better. So uh, I don't see Jacksonville running away with this and, and winning by a touchdown. So I will concur with you on that one. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Buffalo Bills uh, is one of the rare matchups this week that's actually interesting, despite there not being any history between them. Uh, the Eagles at now three and four. Everyone that thought they were desperate last week when they played the Cowboys, they didn't really play all that desperate, so maybe they're even more desperate this week. Uh, and the five and one Buffalo Bills. Uh, but people giving the Eagles uh, a chance because they, I, I think this is just, people just saying the Eagles are better than this and they have to come out and play better uh, three and four, but they're only two point dogs at the five and one bills. It's still going to all be about the back end of that Philadelphia Eagles secondary for me. And I know that Jake, uh, Jake, Josh Allen and the Buffalo bills don't mount a tremendous amount of offense, but they play enough stifling defense that I think they're going to be able to create positive situations for themselves. And who knows, against an awful secondary, maybe we will see some passing game out of Josh Allen to, to his receivers. LaShawn, uh, not LaShawn McCoy. Uh, the running game for the Bills, and the name escapes me right now. I know it's been the injury. Is that Sylvester? Am I thinking it's of that uh, correctly? Oh, the kid is uh, Devin Singletary. Singletary. And, uh, Sylvester. Where did I come up with Sylvester? Um <laughs> But yeah, Devin Singleberry. I know he's been nicked up, 
so there's not a lot of pro picking, you know, they're not doing a lot of like pro picks here for the Bills offense. But I don't like the back end of the Eagles. I think Josh Allen might be able to, to soften them up a little bit. But I love the defense of the Bills. The number feels right because I think the Bills are contractually obligated to keep every game close. They, <laughs> they only they only beat the Dolphins by 10 in a, in a week which they scored 31 um, and got that, you know, extra bit on the onside kick recovery for the touchdown uh, to put that even farther away. But the Eagles, the Eagles, the only thing that worries me here is the Eagles may be playing a bit desperate, but just looking at the, the Bills, are just, they just stifle teams. And they, they have, of all the teams that have played all this great defense, quote-unquote great defense so far, like the Patriots and the Niners that are getting all the publicity, the Bills have played real NFL competition um, all season long. Not not against the Dolphins, but they've, they've definitely played better teams than those other two teams have. And uh, I think when it all comes out at the end of the season, bills are, the bills are going to be right there. I, I'm going to take the bills at home um, against the Eagles with that best effort. I just don't think it's good enough. Boy, if those Eagles DBs get torched by, by project, oh, I, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine. I'll just put it that way. Um, a lot of drama going on with the Eagles here. Uh, with, with that loss to, to Dallas and the loss the week before that to Minnesota. Uh, so Zach Brown uh, gets bounced after the loss to Minnesota. He calls out Kirk Cousins and Cousins lights him up and Brown gets uh, immediately cut after that game. Last week after the loss to Dallas, Orlando Skandrick gets cut by the Eagles and he was hot about it. He wasn't having it. He came back in, in the media and, and said, there's a, uh, lack of leadership there from the top down. And he said the locker room uh, seemed to him like they were still living off the Super Bowl win and, and we're, we're still thinking that they were all that and they need to get over it. Uh, so there's something going on there uh, in, in Philly and Doug Peterson might have a situation on his hands there. So that's two straight uh, road duds for the, for the Eagles. And this could easily be a third, but I guess I'm going with the, a little bit of the public here who thinks that, hey, Philly is better than this, and, and they got to step up and eventually uh, get it done. Uh, just for no reason, then they're better than this, and Carson Wentz has played better than his numbers look. Uh, I'm going to take the Eagles in this game uh, to knock off the, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, again, the, the Buffalo covering uh, a two-point spread is no big deal at all, but we know the Bills have trouble scoring the football uh, and, and I think Philly can get just enough on them. Uh, despite the, the Bills having a really good defense, uh, all it takes is, is Carson Wentz making a few plays uh, and getting a couple touchdown throws, and that should be good enough to, to knock off the Bills. On to, uh, I don't know how you can possibly pick this one, the, the Clippers and the Bears. You talk about two franchises right now. Ooh. Uh, I don't know what to make of either one of them. The uh, two and five Los Angeles Chargers, uh, and I don't quite understand this spread. Uh, three and a hook, three and a half point dogs. Some some extra love given to the to Mitch Trubisky after that outing last week. I, I don't I don't know, but Clippers plus three and a half at the three and three Bears. Have you been watching the Chargers? <laughs> Have you been watching the Bears? Oh, <laughs> the Bears were playing the Saints last week. I'll tell you what. I watched the Saints play the San Diego Chargers. You, sir, 
are no San Diego Saints. <laughs> this was this is an absolutely this is a franchise that's completely in garbage time mode right now. I don't know what we're going to get. That effort, effort, quote unquote, effort that they had at home, quote unquote, home a few weeks ago <laughs> against the Steelers. If that wasn't enough for you, they follow that up by going to Tennessee and finding a way to lose to Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans in the most compelling lock of the season so far that I have had. I've had I've had locks lose that I felt better about than that win. Um, no, I won I, that I, game I, twice. Oh. I, three times. Oh my god. <laughs> And it still found a way to lose. No, I think the Chargers are going to go on the road here. We're going to give Philip Rivers, this offense, something just doesn't seem right. This this Bears defense, I think they are in looking for that kind of get-right game. This feels like one of those games where the Bears score two defensive touchdowns and absolutely blow the doors off of a just completely shell-shocked Chargers team to the point that I am locking this one up. What? You know, you laughed at me a few weeks ago when I locked up the Bears against the Vikings. Just, just watch yourself. Watch it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Thank I do. <laughs> I also – I don't think you were too crazy about me locking up the Titans last week either. And boom. Oh, come on. Boom. Most comple- most compelling lock of the season. Boom, they blew the game three times. Get out of here. They lost the game three times and I still got the win. That's how you lock it up. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you per se. I'm just this is one of the games this week that I really threw my hands up like I don't I don't know. Either way. I, 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 really. I love it. I love it. Well, you you own it. If it comes to you absolutely can can brag out it and own it because I don't know how you pick either one. It, it feels like a game of who finds a way to lose. And uh the reason I'm going to agree with you and take the Bears is because yes, the the Clippers are absolute kings of finding ways to lose. So I'm going to agree with that. Um, scared of the hook, of course. I, I don't I, I don't understand the hook. Like, how are you that confident in Chicago, the way Trubisky and, and that offense is, is performing, quote-unquote performing, uh, that you think they're even worthy of the three-and-a-half? And even with that, I'm still taking Chicago. To, again, when I go through all of my machinations and finally come up with a final score, I'd wind up sticking with that no matter what the spread says. And last week I had the Bears winning by four. And this week I have them winning by five. So fair. And that is why I have to take Chicago, even though I'm scared to death of that pick. I, I'd be scared of that game either way, no matter which way you go on it. Tennessee and Tampa Bay. How do you pick that one? I don't I don't know what to make either one of those teams either. Uh, but the Buccaneers uh, coming off their bye uh, at two and four. Uh, are only two and a half point underdogs. Ryan Tannehill and the three and four Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I don't think the Titans are going to get that lucky twice in a row. Um, you know, is it going to be good Jameis, bad Jameis? I think that's going to sort of be the question. Are we going to get you know Jameis Winston go in there and throw five picks to this ball hawking secondary of the Tennessee Titans? But what's Ryan Tannehill going to do against a may, maybe improving Bruce Arians team? I'm going to go ahead and kind of go against what I had last week with the bounce back from Ryan Tannehill and think that this is going to be a little bit more offensive minded game coming out of uh, Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm going to go ahead and take the road dog here in Tampa Bay. And I don't like it. <laughs> That's what I'm, I don't like it. That's supposed to be the theme of the week. Um, 
I, we got dueling uh, missing tight ends for this game. Tampa will not have O.J. Howard, and Tennessee will not have Delaney Walker. But this isn't quite the catastrophe for the Titans that it would be under Marcus Mariota because he really, really relied on Delaney Walker because he had so much trouble getting the ball downfield to anybody. And whatever you think of Tannehill, at least he tries to get the ball downfield to the to the wide receivers. And we talked about that last week, that at least the receivers will have a chance. Now, uh, with Tannehill in there, they didn't have a chance at all with Mariota. So uh, it's a bad secondary for Tannehill to work on. Uh, they'll need to score some points because Tennessee, because uh, Tampa Bay can score. But Jameis Winston and that, that England game is sticking out to me. So maybe I'm doing a recency bias there, but good fucking God, did he try to find ways to give the ball to the other team over and over again, just delivering them on a silver platter. So I got to believe no matter what happens that he'll find a way to, to give the ball to, to Tennessee and their secondary, which is actually very talented. Um, and I definitely have to take Tennessee uh, in this one and give only two and a half. The Denver Broncos and the Indianapolis Colts don't, quite know how you figure out this one it's a whole schedule this week full of games i don't know how you have a a leaning one way or another this is one of those weird spreads in here denver at two and five are four and a half point underdogs at the four and two indianapolis colts no no way i know this is a weird spread but there's no way in hell i'm taking the denver broncos after (laughs) i mean the, the indianapolis colts they just they just rough shot right over uh you know, Texas uh, over the Houston Texans, they, they, who played a, a good game. Like I said, there was a, maybe a touchdown that came off the board, but you know, weird stuff happens in that game. And I, I but I, I like them coming together. Denver's defense is not what it was um, in years past. I mean, the, the, some of the names are still there, but just because you're, you're, you might be an aging team that still has name players on defense. That, that's not going to win you a lot of games. And Joe Flacco. Oh my God. Uh, there's going to be some serious, serious contenders for least valuable player come the end of the season. And if Joe Flacco keeps putting up games like we saw from him a few Thursday nights ago, uh, I can understand that Sam Darnold performance. He's a young kid and he got, you know, clearly out, out coached and, and, and made to be scared by, you know, one of the greatest defensive minded coaches of all time in Bill Belichick. Uh, Joe Flacco's just, what is he doing? Who is he throwing to? Uh, this feels like an indie squish. Uh, one of the other games I had thought about contemplating locking up this week, but I decided to go against the Chargers. But man, that AFC West, the bottom end of that AFC West, man, bad, bad, bad. Um, I don't like this pick at all. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in it at all. Um, and especially because Indy is definitely low key, one of those uh, really well rounded teams that, that's really competed all year. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to rely on one of my uh, throwback stats, one of the, uh, the three-week trend stats, that the Denver defense is actually trending very much up the last few weeks. And also, uh, we talked about how great the Indianapolis Colts have been running the ball and how well they looked earlier in the year. And they're trending way down. They had a hot start, and they're not uh, – Marlon Mack is not doing what he had been doing uh, they averaged 4.9 yards per carry three weeks ago. Now they're only averaging 4.2, which is a lot of yards to lose in three weeks. Uh, so I'm going to take the points uh, with the Denver Broncos. I actually think they can win the game if their defense comes out and play the way they're supposed to play. But I will definitely take those points. But I don't feel good about it. 
the New York Giants and the Detroit Lions, the Giants at two and five under uh, Danny Dimes, uh, not dropping too many dimes uh, as it turned out, uh, six and a half point underdogs at the two, three and one Detroit Lions. Right. This was the one pick as I went up and down the line here that I had to go back to because I had no clue on who to pick in this one. And uh, I ended up going with the points and taking the giants here. Um, And for my favorite reason, why the hell not? And there you have it. Uh, I concur. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Is it the loser now? Scratch us off. Anytime you agree with me when I just go, what the hell? Or why not? It's supposed to go against you on those because then you know you're screwed. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll dig for some reasons then. Uh, not the best outing for Matthew Stafford last week against the Vikings. Uh, this running back now is Ty Johnson. Uh, we were talking about how uh, well-rounded the, the Detroit offense was trying to look. Uh, with carry on Johnson at the beginning of the year, they were really uh, focusing and relying on him and trying to actually set up the pass instead of just having Matt Stafford go out and throw, throw, throw. And now he's uh, herding on IR. Um, I watched the whole Detroit, Minnesota game. I saw a lot of Ty Johnson. I was not impressed. Um, and low key, very uh, important uh, missing piece on defense is Darius Slay, their, their longtime cornerback. He's not going to play. And that opens it up for Danny Dimes for, uh, Daniel Jones to actually maybe make some plays downfield for the Giants and, and keep them in the game. So there's some actual reasoning behind the, my Giants pick there instead of just, just because. So there. Okay, well, all right. Well, it doesn't make me feel good now that you're using reason, logic, and stats. <laughs> uh, on to the Panthers and the 49ers. Carolina at 4-2. and two. Kyle Allen is still out there. Like Apparently they're going to keep him there until he loses the game, whenever that's going to happen. Uh, they are five and a half point dogs at the undefeated six and oh San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, it's it's a weird uh, it's a weird pick for me because I ended up taking the points here and going with the Panthers. Dare I say this may be one of the better teams that the 49ers have had to play so far. Um, it, it, it's really the only thing. It's like I want to see more out of San Francisco. I, I don't trust them with nine nothing wins in the rain and wins over garbage teams where they're shutting teams out and they're basically doing what the Patriots did you know and the the Patriots finally played a decent team in the Buffalo Bills they were a couple of Matt Barkley interceptions away after Josh Allen got knocked out from possibly uh, losing that game so I want to see the 49ers against a team that looks at least respectable they look like a football team and I think that that's going to be good enough for maybe the 49ers get a little bit of a punch in the mouth here. And uh, I, I want to see, I want to see more. So I'm going to go against them here because guess what they follow this up with the Cardinals. It's like, come <laughs> on. So show me something there. 49ers. I want to see that. I want to see Christian McCaffrey uh, with some rest because Carolina's coming off their by. Uh, going against the San Francisco defensive line, I, I think that's going to be a, a really good matchup. Um, I think he can get the better of them. Uh, he's played some some great football this year. He's done some things out there that kind of make your jaw drop, like whoa, what is he? What did he just do? Um, and, and for all the reasons you were saying, I, I concur that this is a, a quality team that that Chico Rivera's got. They they 
overcome the the Cam Newton injury. Maybe they've thrived even uh, because uh, of the Cam Newton injury and getting him off the field, that maybe it's possible that Kyle Allen at this stage is better than Cam Newton because of how hurt and how bad Cam Newton had been. Uh, so something's going to give uh, Kyle Allen's either going to take his first loss or the 49ers going to take their first loss unless, of course, there's a tie. Uh, but but absent of that, something uh, is going to give, and, and I think uh, the Panthers can hang in there and give them a game. Even if they don't get the win, they can cover uh, that weird five-and-a-half-point spread. The uh, Cleveland Browns and the New England Patriots, the Brownies at two and four and scuffling, uh, and the Patriots, the other undefeated team at seven and zero, and the Browns are eleven and a half point dogs at the Patriots. Yeah, let's let's see what Bill Belichick can do against another scuffling second year quarterback. Uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, is going to get a lot of. A lot of negative publicity, and he's already gotten a lot of negative publicity because he, he's definitely got better acting skills in his commercials than he's shown at the quarterback position so far this season. And, boy, people in Cleveland have got to get really tired of seeing all these Baker Mayfield commercials while he goes out there, and it just is DFL in so many offensive categories. Uh, completion percentage, DFL, uh, I believe he's got 11 interceptions. DFL, uh, nothing really. And you're going up against Belichick and Brady and this Patriots defense. And while I wouldn't be shocked, this has got one of those feel games for me. Like this would be the one where the Browns just jump up and maybe they're just going to play up to the level of their competition. I see this going completely off the rails. Maybe, maybe we get some OBJ blowups in this game. That would, you know, we're, we're ripe for that right now. Maybe Baker gets benched at some point because he's playing so awful. I want some drama here, and the only thing that's going to create a ton of drama in this game is a Patriots squish. Well, certainly one way to certainly one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is what we've been talking about all year, which is the terrible, terrible uh, quality of competition that the Patriots have been getting this year. Uh, And they've had the huge, huge spreads to go with them. Uh, And some of them they've covered and some of them uh, believe they've, uh, have they covered every spread or they, I don't think they have. Um, I don't think they covered against Buffalo. They did not cover against the, uh, who the Patriots did not cover against the Jets, right? Because of the two, Special oh, yeah. touchdowns, and I also don't That's believe right. they covered against. Uh, I also don't believe they covered against the Bills. Right, seven and a half point favorites uh, at Buffalo, and they only won by six. So yeah, they they uh, have not covered every spread, but uh, again, the the terrible uh, quality of schedule had early in the year, and now here come the Cleveland Browns, who are uh, definitely not playing the way every, anyone expected them to play. However. This is not the same level of combat. When you talk about seeing ghosts and you talk about the Dolphins and some of these other awful teams that the Patriots have played this year, did they play the Bengals uh, at one point? The Giants and and, and Danny Dimes? uh, This is not that. The Browns are not very good right now, but they're not some of these other teams. There's still a whole lot of talent on the Cleveland Browns. 
Uh, this is not the, the, the detritus that New England has played this year. This is not on that level. Uh, you can argue that OBJ on the offensive side and Miles Garrett on the defensive side uh, are the best individual players that the Patriots have played so far this year, both on one off on the on the offensive end and the defensive end, the best players that they played are on the same team that they're playing against on Sunday, and to be eleven and a half point favorites over that, I understand the Browns have not been playing very well, but they have been running the ball great with Nick Chubb. Uh, all their running stats are trending way upward over the last few weeks. The New England Patriots running defense stats are actually trending down. They've gone from averaging 3.5 yards, given up to 4.2 on the ground. I think the Cleveland Browns are going to go in there and keep the game very close by keeping the ball away from Tom Brady, by committing to the run. You have to yeah, – it's the only thing they can do. You have to commit to the run, not just because of how great that they've been doing it, but because you have to keep the ball away from, from – uh, uh, from Baker Mayfield, the way he's been playing before you turn him into Brady Quinn. You don't want that to happen. So for those reasons, (laughs) you don't want that. So for that, because the Browns are better than all these other teams, because they're coming off a bye, because they're fresh, because they're going to New England, they're going to be hyped up. They're going to want to play much better than they have been. They have to compete in this game. I'm not saying they're going to win, but they have to, to stay within 11 and a half. That's just, that's ludicrous to me. I got to lock up the ground fever. I got to get that as a lock. The Patriots are, they, they, they haven't played anybody. Come on. So that's going to be my lock this week. But I don't know if I feel good about it. <laughs> I think it gets tougher for the, the Patriots next Sunday night in Baltimore. Right. Much better but, game. You definitely brought up their upcoming schedule uh, in November and, and how yeah. much, how much tougher it's going to be for them that we'll, we'll see the real, Patriots at that point uh, but this almost starts it for me because think about how everyone said the Browns would be playoff contenders this year me included uh, and, and they're two and four but that doesn't mean they're out of the race at all they're not the Falcons for God's sake uh, they, they they can still make it up they can still contend for a playoff spot and, and I, I just think they're going to definitely give their best effort here uh, in this game against Cleveland 11 and a half is just that's just way too much for me. They, they could they could win the game. They they actually could. Uh, on to the Raiders and the Texans. Uh, Oakland at three and three. Houston at four and three. But Texans looking more impressive lately. So Oakland is a six and a half point dog down at Houston. Oh, those poor Raiders. You know, kind of snake bit last week. They got to go play Houston now and Deshaun Watson and that team that went on the road and lost that game in Indy. Um, I, I mean, the Raiders, they've hung tough. I'll give them that. But Houston, that's a, that's a step up in class. It's a team that's coming off a win. Uh, boy, that that secondary in Oakland, I mean, my God, Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, and they're just, they, may, they may put up 500 this week on the Raiders. <laughs> I'm going to give them all. I'm going to take the Texans here. Let me back that up with the numbers. Uh, Houston averaging 8.3 yards through the air on offense uh, with Deshaun Watson. And Oakland giving up 8.9 yards through the air. Uh, They may well get 400 on them. Uh, This this may well be uh, a huge 
passing game for the Texans. You'll be shocked to hear that Will Fuller is hurt and will not play oh, in this game. I know. But... When I saw he got knocked out of the game last week, I was like, well, least in least shocking news of the week, Will Fuller, the Sean Lee of the Houston Texans, got injured. Hurt again. Uh, but, yeah, this is the uh, the Oakland road trip from hell continues. This was the uh, what everyone talked about, that they wouldn't have any dates at home for like a month and a half because one of their home dates was going to be over in uh, in England. Uh, so they're back and they're still on the road, and this is just part of that terrible, terrible schedule that they have. So I will concur with you, give the six and a half, and take the Houston Texans uh, to, to bomb out the Raiders. What should have been a great Sunday night football matchup is now part of the bleh because it will not be Pat Mahomes at quarterback for the Chiefs. It will instead be more, more, more. Are you ready for more, Matt Moore? If you're ready or not, he's going to be out there for the Chiefs. So uh, It will be uh, instead of Aaron Rodgers against Pat Mahomes, it will be Aaron Rodgers against Matt Moore. Uh, and as a result of that, the 6-1 and one pack are four-point road favorites at the 5-2 and two Kansas City Chiefs. The Arrowhead Stadium home field advantage hadn't been all that great this season, even with Patrick Mahomes under center. Uh, I definitely am going to go ahead and take the Packers here and give the four. Uh, that's not a secondary that particularly is stout, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to go out there and completely shred them to pieces. Uh, not much of a running game, which is, looks like to be if you're going to get the Packers, and I think you saw that somewhat with Josh Jacobs, if you have a top-flight running back and maybe a semi-decent offensive line and you can start to gash them and bruise them, maybe they, they've got the, you know, the, the, the the Smith brothers or the Smiths or whatever they want to call it. These guys are in such a race to get to the quarterback. They're running by a lot of these plays, but I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs have the running game to take advantage of it. I'm I'm not going to take Matt Moore. I'm not going to make fun of Matt Moore. He acquitted himself <laughs> very well in that game in uh, in limited time with limited practice uh, when he came in there with no practice at all with the ones or any of that practice reps when he came in against the Broncos, which came out. But sometimes you get that guy and he comes into the game and he's all amped up and he's running on adrenaline and you know and the, the Chiefs were already well ahead in that game and then they just kept extending the lead because Joe Flacco was that bad. Uh, this is a completely different animal here. I'm going to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I'll take the Packers, give the four. Uh, you pointed it out. The Chiefs have struggled uh, at home all year. KC may have gone down uh, because of their struggles, uh, even with Pat Mahomes. Uh, they may have gone down even with Pat Mahomes, just the way A.A. Ron is playing, the way Aaron Rodgers is just destroying everybody the last several weeks. Um, no Devontae Adams for the Packers, but clearly that doesn't seem to matter to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they do expect Darnell Savage back on the defensive end, which will be a big help. Um, as I said, uh, Matt Moore, uh, quarterback for Kansas City, but no uh, Frank Clark. Their defensive uh, pass rusher will not be playing. Um, but, yeah, the way the Packers have been getting it done through the air, uh, now up to 8.1 yards per throw, which I would have not expected them to get that high under the new coach and with the uh, injuries that they've had in their uh, wide receiver core. But that just shows how, how great Aaron Rodgers has been. Um, so I have to certainly concur and, and take Green Bay to cover the four uh, in that spot. It's just uh, it's a shame because, you know, they wouldn't have been favored if Pat Mahomes was active and, and you know, it would have been a hell of a, a competitive game. 
Um, and it would have been the old lion against the, the young cub trying to uh, run up each other up and down the field. And it would have been a, a hell of a Sunday night uh, affair. But uh, injuries happen. So, you know, the, that is what it is. Um, and instead, we got Aaron Rodgers against Matt Moore. And I concur with you. I can't take Matt Moore over Aaron Rodgers. Can't can't do it. Can't do it. On Monday Night Football, let's see, Dolphins and the Steelers. And, ooh, yeah. Yeah, even this one uh, could have been a, a little more exciting if Ben Roethlisberger was healthy, but uh, Bryce already said it, it, it's a must win. Anytime you play the Dolphins this year, it, it's a must win. You, you cannot lose to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but point spread-wise, you've had a lot of luck with them uh, so far lately, so we'll see how you go in this one. The 0-6 Dolphins are 14-point underdogs at the Duckman and the 2-4 and Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to the well, baby. I'm taking the Miami Dolphins, and I'm taking all those points. I do not trust the Duckman and James Conner and the most vanilla bland offense that I've seen. I don't expect this thing to get any more interesting or more creative. I understand the Dolphins are complete trash, but they compete. They've been able to put up some – put 21 points up on the Buffalo Bills, the best defense in football. They could at least stay within two touchdowns of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I I also think that even though we expect that the Dolphins are in full-on tank mode, this is that primetime game. This is that one chance to go out there and show everybody in the country that they're really not that bad or as bad as everybody thinks they are. The laughing joke, the laughing stock of the the league, you know, the, the big joke that everybody's in on now is how bad the Miami Dolphins are and how they're like purposely tanking. I think we've seen some teams that have quit a lot harder than this winless Dolphins team who in the last few weeks and even in the games, and we've pointed it out, the games that they have getting blown out of, they have competed uh, or they've been in and things have gotten away late. Um, I thought I was worried because I really am big on the Bills this year. I was worried for a while that the Dolphins were going to win that game against the Buffalo Bills, and that would have just sent ripples and shockwaves through one of my my uh, wild card picks because I don't know if I could have ever come back from having any more faith in the Buffalo Bills if they had actually lost that game. But I have <laughs> zero trust. I have zero trust in in the Pittsburgh Steelers missing basically from what would have been a season ago, their top three offensive skill position players that, that you don't, you, like I told, I told, I told Bryce in Brooklyn, you don't come back from that. And uh, I don't necessarily think that the dolphins are going to win, but it wouldn't shock me. So I'll take all the points. More uh, turnover. Bernie Sanders back under quarterback for the dolphins. Uh this one, believe it or not, uh, and the the Dolphins have been trending up the last few weeks in all of their stats. So they're not only competing, but actually seem to be getting a little better, which is kind of scary. Um, it couldn't get worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, Doug Boy's going to get more filleting. If you hated it Sunday night, oh. you're going to get more Monday night because it's prime time, and uh, they, they got to take their shots in the in the Monday night booth at making them feel great and. It's a, it's the home date, the first home game for for Duck Boy after he takes over. So uh, it, it's all going to be out there for you if you love talking about the the former Alabama Duck Calling champion. Uh, you're going to get all you can can hope for on Monday night. Um, only the Dolphins could have this said about them that 14 feels pushy. 
I, I, I smell pushy. I'm 14. I, I don't think I could say that about any other, t- any other team out there uh, ever. But 14 actually smells pushy to me. So if I'm feeling uh, that skittish about going one way or the other, then I, I'm left with no choice but to fuck up your streak of, of going with the Dolphins and all those points. And I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna concur with you and take the Dolphins and, and mess you up. That's about all I can think to do on that. Damn it! This have jumped off the Dolphins and let you know. Here you go. You you want the Dolphins? So- <laughs> I I I don't I didn't know which way I was gonna go. I, I actually called it a, a fourteen point game, and and I'm sitting there like, oh god, it, they, the spread's actually fourteen. What the hell? Uh, if, so. if you pick a team to lose by fourteen on the nose, <laughs> you gotta take all the points, right? Uh you know, usually, but it, it, it wasn't a, a slam dunk. But in the end, I'm gonna go and, and concur with you, and we're both gonna die on that hill. <laughs> More on our after show when we come back. And at the stroke of midnight into the VIP after show program. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be hanging around too long in this after show, considering how late it is. No, uh, and uh, up at 6 tomorrow to, or today. Ooh. So, that's yeah, a long day for me on Saturdays, but, you, you know, it ends a little earlier, which is why, you know, the Saturday shows usually end up working out nice because I get home around, you know, 7 30 so making a nine o'clock show gives me time to like gather all my thoughts i've usually made my picks during the day um which i didn't do today um just didn't have the you know i was like i'll get off work no problem get off work at eight o'clock i'll get home sometime you know right right just before nine plenty of time to eat dinner and make my picks and i get home at 9 45 for a 10 o'clock show yeah that's that's rough right there oh you know it's I made them. I made all the picks, and we don't, you know, you, you didn't crap all over all my picks either, which, you know, which, is, which is good. I mean, we disagreed on a few. I, I can't really agree or crap on too much anything this week. It's such a weird slate of games. I, I didn't, the whole week, the whole theme is, I didn't feel good about it. That, that should be the, the name of this show. I, I didn't feel good about it. It's pretty much for all the picks. Uh, See how many we disagreed on. One, two, three, four, five. Yep, only five. Yeah, that's that's not much. No. Yeah, we we've been doing seven and eight lately, so we did not trust. And this would be perfectly set up for me to go three and two against you head to head so we can be dead even again. <laughs> yeah. We're just we're we're literally gonna to try to be tied for the rest of the season. <laughs> That's what it seems like. Been up more than two games on the other all season. Uh, that's probably. It's been pretty close. Two or three. Right. Yeah, it's been it's been no more than two or three games um, that we've been differed on the whole season here, and you know, we've been finding a way to split these. So I'm I'm hoping that this isn't the week where you know, well, not where you. I mean, I'm hoping this is the week where I. Uh, one of us rips off a bunch of wins over the other, but you had a week where you went three up on me, which I then followed up with a week of going three up on you. Uh, let's see, I'm seeing week four and week five, you're up two whole games on me. Ooh, and boy. then I took three from you in week six to go up one for the season. Yeah. Uh, and we were tied. And last week, I went eight and 
eight and what eight and seven or eight six, and you went seven and seven. Yep, that's right. We're consistent. No more, no more than two games the whole season. Jeez, just wild. <laughs> and I have no idea what's going to happen this week. One of us might go five and zero oh this week because it's such a weird week. Who knows? And I don't know which one it would be. It's not like I feel great about the five games uh, that were different uh, over you. You you might win all five of them, and, and I wouldn't be surprised. But, but the one for the one for some reason I really feel this really strong about is, is that Cleveland game because, like I said, that is not the same level as some of these other garbage teams at the Patriots, especially the Monday Nighter with with Sam Darnold seagulls. Is it possible that Baker Mayfield is going to go out there and seagulls? Yeah, I guess it's possible, but. I, I just don't see it happening. Not with the talent he's got around him and not with how much better at, at quarterback he is than Sam Darnold at this point. I know Sam Darnold has, has shown flashes, but it, it is still uh, not something that I, I have a whole lot of confidence in. And, and even the numbers uh, back it up, because after that game, now that put the, the Jets on the season. It's not just him. It's that terrible fault quarterback as well. But as a team for the season, of course, they're dead last in the league. Was that? I said that had odor. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, they're dead last in passing, but they're also way dead last in yards per attempt. They're at 5.5. That's like running. <laughs> Teams average 5.5 yards running the football. They average 5.5 yards throwing. That is so bad. It's it's not That even... was the Arizona Cardinals last season. That's how bad that is. <laughs> it's, that's awful. When, when Josh Rosen – ran for more yards per attempt. <laughs> that, that's really, really bad. That had odor. Yeah. Uh, so the, the the Browns are not that. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I was stunned that you went that heavy on the Browns. Uh, I was week. a little stunned myself. You're calling them basically stiff competition. Like this, this is the best the Patriots can get. Compared and to what they played. Absolutely. But the way their defense has been playing and the way that that Browns team is just, oh, you know, and maybe maybe this goes back to the early sort of part of the season when the Browns were acquitting themselves better on the road. So yeah, this is this is only going to end two ways, right? This is either a stunning Browns upset or nothing but media headlines all week about the meltdown in Cleveland. It's only going two ways. I, well, that's not how I see it. I, I see it as the Browns are going to compete and actually give them a game, and they they could win the game. But I, I'd be I actually be surprised if they won straight up because the Patriots are so good at finding ways to win. Uh, but they're, they're going to fight them. They're actually going. Someone's actually going to fight the Patriots instead of see ghosts and go piss their pants and run away. That that's what I see happening. <laughs> Isn't this also Belichick against one of his former coaches? Or no, that was. Uh... Kitchens wasn't one of his coaches. That was uh, no. more Dolphins guy this year. Right. Oh, God. Freddie Kitchens. Oh, is Freddie Kitchens over his head? Is it too easy or too soon to be? <laughs> I mean, is he? Was that just a bad hire? Was that a let's keep Baker happy hire and, and keep some continuity? And it just it, it just doesn't seem to have the same magic. I mean, all the big play offense that they had last year, all those late come, you know, all those late wins that they had, you know, and maybe they'll be another one of these teams that, you know, we see, we see it happen all the time, right? 
We, we see this with these Houston Texans memorial teams. They dig themselves the hole, and then they, they valiantly try to claw out of the hole, and they go rip off five or six wins to end the season to just fall short. But to get enough on the people's radars, they go, ooh, look at them. Watch out for them next year. Yeah. I think it's too early to answer is, is was the Freddie Kitchens hiring a mistake? I think it's 100% a fair question to ask. Uh, and, and we've seen it throughout the years, all of our sports watching experience. We see where the uh, sort of interim coach or manager takes over and, and the players love him. He's, he's the player's guy. He's, he's just a man's man. And they, they sort of make the pitch or the effort to keep him around on a permanent basis. And manager's like, okay, fine. You can, you can have him. And then they come back the next year and it's just not quite the same. You know, it's, you know, everything, everything has its moment and sometimes the moment passes and, and the chemistry is different. And uh, the laissez-faire attitude maybe is, is great for uh, several weeks during a, a tough season, but maybe you need some discipline. Maybe you need the tougher guy actually when, when it comes down to it, if you want to be your best, you, you need someone on your ass. You might not think you need that, but as it turns out, maybe you do, maybe, Someone like Odell Beckham needs somebody that's a little uh, harder on him because he's been asleep this year. And I think he's one of those guys that needs somebody sort of up his ass to, to get him motivated and to, to get him to play his best. Uh, and Baker Mayfield actually might be uh, the same type of person. He maybe needs somebody like that as well. We'll see. I, I don't know, but sorry. I, I like space there. <laughs> I think it's late. <laughs> It's after midnight. I hear talking. I, I, and I hear Baker Mayfield. It's like, oh, what? Oh. <laughs> it did put you in a trance. We haven't we haven't done a lot of ten o'clock shows this year. This was the thing that we no. have. You know, this is what we dealt with last year uh, when we were doing all those ten o'clock Wednesday shows. If you remember those. Oh yeah, when I had to come home from bowling and and try to get my stiff bones in the chair and get the show fired up and and try to stay awake uh, after three games of bowling. Yeah. That, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think I'm ready to call it a night here. Did you see uh, any, uh, did you see the result of the, the world series game? Cause I, I turned it off. And... Was, uh, got back in the win column. Oh, good. Well, that, Obviously, for my bracket, I need that. So, yeah, two to one. They they can do it. They can they can run off four in a row uh, after losing those first two. I, I'm worried, I must admit. But uh, if any team can do it, I think it's the Astros. My preseason World Series pick, you know, to watch them go down 0-2 with Cole and Verlander. But they get the win tonight with Cranky. Don't know who they run out tomorrow, if it's Peacock and another bullpen game so that they can line up, you know, Cole Verlander mm-hmm. and – Again, for... it's going to be it's actually good. it's going to be a kid that I actually like a lot named Jose Urquidy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know yeah. how how deep. I have a feeling that he's like a one time through the order guy, and that Peacock is another one time through the order guy. I don't see him qualifying for the win. This is what we did in the last series, so we'll see. I mean, if he's out there and he's dealing, and obviously you're dealing now with the pitchers and that opening lineup, and I'm not saying the kid can't go seven scoreless, but uh, he's out there against Patrick Corbin. So, you know, Houston, Houston's got to win what, one of these next two. I mean, you get two on, uh, and then you got to give yourself that fighting chance to go home and win those two games. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I agree that uh, Urquidy is, uh, if he gets in any trouble at all, they're going to get the bullpen going. Uh, but I, I'd say he qualifies for the win. I think he can go five or six strong. I, I think he's uh, low-key one of those really good arms that they got uh, stashed away. That's why the Astros are so tough because they're so deep. They got kids you don't even, you never even heard of just waiting to, to perform. I think he's one of them. But, no, I, I don't want to sell too short here on the Nationals, though, what they've been able to do. But that, that yeah. They are showing that this is not a fluke. I understand they and, had to make through the play-in game and needed a Josh Hader meltdown to get there and then fight their way to a five-game win over the Dodgers. But they, they have earned their spot in the World Series. This doesn't feel fluky. Not at all. That That is one talented core of, of guys that are going to be there a while. When you talk about Juan Soto uh, and Anthony Rendon, who they have to, of course, uh, give the big money to, um, and Victor Robles, uh, they, they got some guys there that are uh, – they've got all the talent, and they've had all the talent, and this is what everyone has been talking about with them for years. This is why everyone kept, including me, kept picking them every year to do this because they've had that talent there all this time, and they finally decided to put it all together uh, this postseason. So uh, I'm, I'm a fan of the Nationals. I'm a fan of Davey Martinez, and I'm very happy and glad to see them putting it together and doing what they've been doing. Now I need them to lose the next three games so I can win this uh, postseason bracket. After they dug the hole at the start of the season to dig out from, you know, how do you dig out from 13 games under 500? You and turn it on and start playing to your abilities yeah. and then yeah, you do exactly what they did. You basically from June 1st on show that you had, you know, the best record in the league. I believe when they started the World Series, they had put up the stat that the Astros and the Nationals from July 1st to the end of the season were only one game apart in win percentage. Yeah. Through the pro season as well, because, you know, I mean, what what the Nationals did to the Cardinals was criminal. <laughs> Laid waste to them. I, <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah. I mean, I appreciated what they did because I hate the Cardinals. I have, you know, I have to hate the Cardinals being a Cubs fan. I mean, that is the hated enemy. Um, so I had no problems uh, watching that. Now, my, my my son, I've been watching the World Series a little bit each night with my kids. And, you know, my daughter being, you know, daddy's girl, wants the Astros to win because I said I was picking the Astros. My son, to always, who always has to be the opposite, because he thinks it's funny, <laughs> was really big in for the Nationals the first two nights. And, you know, they scored right away in the early – so he only got to stay up for like an inning or two. But yeah. he did get to, you know, see the Nationals score, and he understands baseball a little bit. You know, he's five, so he kind of gets yeah. some, some of the concepts and things. And he can read numbers, so he can clearly see when a team is winning. Um, and I had gone to bed in early in game two – and then I get up to the next day and see it's like 12-3 final. I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? So every morning I'm telling my son, like, hey, guess what? The the Nationals won. And he, Yay! So I get to get up tomorrow <laughs> and tell him that the Astros won, and he'll be sad. Even though he has no – even though he completely understands, I've made it perfectly clear, I have no stake in this other than the fact that I think that the Astros are the better team. Right. Uh, I, I remember that age. I, I wanted to take whoever the, the grown-ups were against so I could show that I'm smarter than they are. <laughs> I, I remember that. And I might still have a little streak in that in me today. 
Okay. But, uh, <laughs> all right. So that's your World Series update. So now we'll, there's definitely time for us to call it a night as we get deeper and deeper into the evening. So uh, certainly looking to uh, next Saturday at nine central, our normal time for our for our next show. Sounds good to me. I'll be here. All right, and you guys are going trick or treating. Uh, uh, was it? Is it Thursday Halloween? In the snow, yeah. Is it Wednesday or Thursday? Thursday, and it's supposed to snow here. Okay. Oh boy. You heard that oh. right. Yeah, we've got snow in the forecast Monday and Thursday, so it's fun. Well, back up in Wisconsin. That, that's what you guys. That's what you guys are look up to look forward to at this time of year. So enjoy your uh, trick-or-treating uh, with, with the kids, with, with your son and the cute factor uh, in the snow. Yeah, um, I hope and... it's not too nasty. I mean, you know, these kids, they like to dress up and they want to go out. And uh, they, they like to dress up and, you know, ugh, I just repeated myself. Oh, my God. There's a glitch in the <laughs> Matrix that repeats itself. <laughs> that means they've changed something. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, if you even get that reference, but... Um, I, I have not. I heard it's really good. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, any you know, sci-fi geeky nerds, you know, like myself, will, will get that joke. But, um, yes, they, they like to go out trick-or-treating, but what they don't like is brutal cold and wind. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't like... So, I, I've noted, you know, our radius, our, our, our candy radius greatly shrinks based right. on the weather. And it's really hard when you're trying to wear a costume. I, I, I have pictures from years and years ago. I think my favorite one was my daughter was dressed up, you know, like the frozen, like Elsa, you know, the frozen princess. I know it's a familiar thing. Maybe it is. I don't know. But she was dressed up like the, uh, the princess. She has her winter coat on over her costume. <laughs> which, which completely obscures the costume. Right. So basically you're walking around in a dress and a winter coat. That's almost like, it's like completely zipped up and buttoned up. And that was the year my son was wearing, like, I think he was wearing his Darth Vader costume. You know who that is, right? <laughs> yes. I've heard of Darth Vader. And just want to make sure. I don't want to lose the audience. <laughs> lose the and, uh, that was thick enough. Like he stayed mostly warm in that. He did, did have some instances of being cold, but he did he did okay in that one because he's wearing like a full blown mask and there was some padding, and then he had all the layers on underneath the costume, which was nice. But it's really hard to put layers underneath a princess dress. Right. No, that that works. Darth Vader uh, definitely dressed for the elements uh, from from the the couple of Star Wars movies that I've watched. So uh, that that is a good costume for the for the cold. That's not beach wear that Darth Vader's wearing. I guess the only thing you can do is uh, promise to take him to Boca Raton for for Halloween at some point, uh, so that they can uh, they don't have to worry about the elements at that point. Right. All right. Let, let's call it a night right there. Uh, so we will be back next Saturday at 9 p.m. Central uh, if all plans go as they're supposed to. To recap week eight in the NFL and get ready for week nine, I'm sure that'll be a good time to pull out a little real or fake as well, especially after this weird slate of games where you kind of have to almost be real in order to pull out a win over in some of these games, I would think. 
uh, into the front half of the show next week. I didn't catch the first part of that. So what's going to get into the front half? Sneak some real or fake into the front half of the show next week so we can get it right. live. Right. Yeah, certainly. All right. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank Bryce and Brooklyn for checking in and uh, letting everyone, all of his fans know that he's still okay. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Everybody enjoy your football coming up on Sunday. And we will talk to you next Saturday night, 9 p.m. Central. Talk to you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.